It's episode 183, and look who has graced us with his presence. Hi. I, it's now got to the point where I feel honored. <laughs> Come on. I do. I feel honored. <laughs> I don't even see you. You go to Spokane. You're here. You're there. You're everywhere. She won a state title. I've Your paid daughter. my dues. Yes, you have. <laughs> time after time. That was fun. The champions, they, they won it. And who did they beat? They beat a team called Grandview out of Yakima. Thank you for asking. Grandview hasn't lost, I was told, since 2020. Wow. And the last team they lost to... They're they're this they're incredible. Last team they lost to was Team Levine, coincidentally, like in Idaho a year and a half ago. They play everyone. They they don't lose. They're very good. They won state in fourth grade. They just they're awesome. We're talking about this group of girls. Yeah, yeah they're just they they beat Skyline, they beat Liberty, they beat Woodenville. And you just, guys knocked them off. We were up, they were up by thirty. It's like Hoosiers. They're up by thirty at one point. I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. They were up by 30 on this grand. Did you guys team. run the picket fence or what? <laughs> they must have, yes. The best part was that Skyline didn't have the guts, the guts to show up to the finals. <laughs> didn't have the guts, the wherewithal, the intestinal fortitude. You guys lost to Skyline like multiple times. <laughs> yeah, they can have that ETL championship. <laughs> we want to go ahead and take the state one if you don't mind. Oh, we'll God. take that one. No, it was fun. It that was a fun weekend. It was fun. It was, How I, many do they have to win to win the state, state title? Four. Everyone gets four games no matter yes. what. And so, yeah. So that go, was fun. It was really fun. Going into the Grandview game, honestly, I just, like, Piper and I were like, well, second's good, you know. I mean, it's cool that you really? got oh, Grandview's. They don't lose. They were 24-point favorites in Vegas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, they, I literally just watched them beat Skyline by 11, who beat Issaquah. Right. So I'm like, you know, by the way, Grandview was up 18 on Skyline. They handled them. And I'm like, okay, you know, you had a good run, second, nothing to hang your hat on, you know. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. They were up Man, by thirty on this team. That's fantastic. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm just glad I'm not there this weekend during Gonzaga weekend in Spokane because the boys are over there this weekend. The boy or as, oh. as we record, oh. the boys are running it, and oh. it's just Gonzaga crazy over there right now. <laughs> I could imagine. Yes, every would make me sick to my stomach. Oh, they almost lost. It was oh. Mitch. Uh, Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms, ladies and gentlemen. Please, please, please rate and review us. If you listen on Apple, maybe a five-star special, give us a rating, give us a review. You can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for as low as $5 a month and have access to all of our bonus shows, Danny O'Neill, Slick Hawk, the music entries from Hot Shot Scott. Uh, has anything, so it's been two weeks, two weeks ago today, right? Yes. Has anything happened? As we record, yes. In the world of sports? Uh, since you've been gone. Other than the middle school championships. Yeah. Uh, no Russell Wilson trade. Oh, did he pass? No. Oh, he's no Russell Wilson trade. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I guess not, he not left, much happened. Yeah. 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 Not, and then, and then the, the Seahawks next quarterback <laughs> is, well, it's going to be Deshaun Watson at one point. No, <laughs> that looks like that's not happening now. No. So <laughs> now it's Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that's right. God, who's, how, how many are we going to go down the list until Baker? Gets I, I'm reading that they're the second favorite in Vegas, that there's actually odds <laughs> up on the board. Really? Yes. The Indianapolis Colts are the number one favorite to land Baker Mayfield. Number two, your Seattle Seahawks. What is it going to be like going from rooting for a team with, with Russell Wilson as the quarterback yeah. to a team with Baker Mayfield. Did you ever like Baker Mayfield? Always brash. Yeah. Was Didn't he, he the, won the Heisman? He won the Heisman. Was he, he the one that stuck the flag in the ground? Was that, was that his move that he'd take the Oklahoma? Was he Oklahoma? Yeah, he was Oklahoma. He would take the flag and he was I just kind of like, yeah, kind very, of brash. Very, yeah, very brash. Yeah. I, I, you I like that? 
I, I liked that he was kind of a gunslinger and he would just sort of, you know, throw it around and he'd run for his life. I, I liked him okay. Yeah. He, he didn't bother me. Did, wasn't there a commercial with him in the stadium that ran like every third commercial? Yeah, the progressive commercial because I think progressive is the the name of the stadium okay. in Cleveland. Yeah. 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 And he yeah, just, I, don't, I don't think those things apply anymore. Well, I don't think he's going to be. I, I think I think you're going to have to do do a campaign with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, I don't know who the next quarterback is going to be, but it might be Baker Mayfield. So well, we'll I would see. take I would we'll take see. that over who they have now. Drew Locke. Uh, exactly. I mean, when you, at least he has weapons. Baker Mayfield. He's got people to throw to at least. Well, he at one point had Jarvis Landry and OBJ yeah. and tight ends and other receivers. I think he had. I don't want to. Yeah, I think he had receivers. You don't sound too excited about it if it happens. Is it more of his personality or is it nah, his ability nah, or both? I, I'm not overall. I mean, it's just hard to to think of. Yeah. The change. Yeah. It's just hard to think of Russell Wilson to Baker Mayfield. I have a hard a hard time. Maybe if Russell Wilson hadn't been the quarterback for the last ten or twelve years, right? Yeah, I could get behind Baker Mayfield. But it just feels like. Blah. Like you're going the opposite direction. Yeah. You're running it back, but with a worse and, and, quarterback. And the worst part about it is, as a Seahawks fan, I want to be able to, like every other year, really follow and get into what free agents they're signing, what other trade, how they're building the roster. I've yeah. always been captivated by that time of year. Yeah. It's hard when you don't know who you're, when you don't feel like you got a quarterback. Does it really matter that they side Rashad Penny to a one-year contract right. on the day that we speak? Does it matter that they're going to sign a new offensive lineman here and they traded for a, a pass-rushing defensive end or linebacker from the Chargers and they've got this guy coming in and they resign? All of it just feels like it doesn't matter much because we don't have mm. a quarterback. But if they have Baker Mayfield, you still say they don't have a quarterback? I mean, he's... They don't have Baker Mayfield, number one. Right. But and if they two, have him, yeah, how, would, it, would it change how you feel? Yes, a little bit. Okay. I'd get, I'd get more interested and in tune with all these other changes they're making. And how many, how many years do you get back? What's Baker Mayfield's age? 28? Oh, he's young. Young, 26? young, young. Oh, he's young, young, young. Right. So you get seven, eight, nine years back. I mean, that matters a little bit, right? That helps. You can still look to the if future. He's okay, if he's good. Yeah. Well, he's had his moments. He's if he was so good, why why was Cleveland <laughs> looking for a new quarterback? Every single person in the draft, they tell you about how great they are. They show you the highlights. It's the seventh round. He's not that good. All right. Yeah, they they love to talk people up. How are your brackets doing? Do you have one? I'm assuming you only have one. You're not one of these guys who does double duplicates and changes his picks and says, "Well, I've got my final four in that that one still yeah. alive." You you don't do any of that. If I were smart, I would do that, and no. I would I, I would just make sure that nothing matches up in each. So I I do one for for money. I like to win money from time to time, and then I did the beat the boys, of course, all four. But it should be the same bracket all the way. Oh, around. it's no, it's not. See, I got a big problem. What big problem? I'm trying to mix it up here. I'm trying to win something. What you put all your eggs in one basket? Of course, and all you your do, brackets are gone after day one. You do one bracket. I mean, if you want to put it into several competitions, I got no problem with that. You do one bracket. Oh, really? You make it. Yeah, you make your picks. You don't do like 
Because then then there's the dude that goes, hey, look at me. I've got four in my final four. <laughs> yeah, you have 12 brackets with 24 different final fours. Yeah, but who's putting like a 7, 11, a 6, and a 2? I mean, everyone has the same teams in there anyway. The Baylor, Gonzaga. Now, you do one bracket. All right, well. I, so I can't even ask you how your bracket's doing because you've got all these different ones. Kicking ass and beat the boys. Okay, it's not kicking ass. But I have all four final four teams left thus far as we record, and that's all I care about going into the Sweet 16. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes. I was going to ask you that when, when somebody asks you how your bracket is. Yeah. I need a clarification on that that question. But see, then I have Piper. It, she's in a couple, so I root for her. So we're yeah, we're all over the place. We're is the up. is the question is the question when somebody asks you how your bracket's doing? Yeah, is the question how you've done up until that point where they're asking, or is the answer based on the upside? Like you just said, like my bracket has sucked. Okay, the first four days of the tournament were terrible for me and my bracket. Someone had Kentucky and Baylor. No, no, no. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I had them win in their games. Okay. But what if I told you, like you said, my one and only bracket, I got four, my final four still av- alive. I, so you and have my a final chance. two. So do I have a good bracket? I mean, how's my bracket? Yeah, How do I answer saying. that? I, it's been shit. If you look at the standings, it's like in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because my, my, my picks the first two rounds have been lousy. Yeah. But the upside is still there. So I don't know how to answer the question. <laughs> I like, how do I answer the question? Because I know so many people are going to ask me over the next week, how's your bracket doing? Which exactly nobody's going to ask me. <laughs> so this doesn't even matter. You don't leave the care. house. Your wife doesn't give a shit. Your kid won't talk to you. Who's going to ask you? I mean, the dog? I mean, God. <laughs> right. But I just need to know. I need a clarification. I so think what's if, the answer? If the upside, of course. I mean, yeah, if you have all four Final Four teams going into the Sweet 16, it's always, you know, super heavy. It's heavily weighted. So those wins mean a lot right so if you got all final i think you're doing well So if you're in last place yeah, you can't be in last place if you have all four final four teams left right yes you can can you though you lose every game except those those four teams <laughs> you, you can be if you're in last place which i'm not yeah. but if you're in last place yeah. in your pool yeah but you have good upside the answer is my bracket's doing great that's right that's what i tell everybody it's doing now awesome I now i yeah. know now i know the answer i'd like the easy you sent out how many get or how many prizes you would have to give away this is not good really it's getting worse and worse Oh, it is. Hundreds well, it was only like 15. At we one. are not even going to be able to record new shows because I'm going to be. <laughs> I'll be in Arizona anyway. Don't I'm going to be going house to house, door to door. Literally, this is really looking bad. Yeah, but again, it's heavily weighted. Just wait. You yeah, can't start yeah. crying in your seat No, no, yet. no. I think we have a chance. Yeah, we have a chance, especially with this fella. But at this moment, yeah. let's just say if the season ended today, <laughs> which it doesn't and so it's stupid to even talk about. Yeah. We'd be going door to door handing yeah. out gifts. Really? Okay. Yeah, not good. All right. We got some time. We have some time. Let's go. No good. All right. All right. Episode 183 is about to begin. Guests on this episode 183. Well, Hot Shot's a guest because he's back. He's no never problem. on anymore. That's right. Uh, Mariners, no table. The Mariners made some trades. They did not sign some free agents. People are a little pissy. Mariners fans are a little pissy that they're not spending more money. Yeah. They're only spending $88 million on this upcoming payroll, at least as of now. And yeah. there are other teams in the division that are spending 150 and... 130 and they're spending 88. We'll do the Mariners no table with Corey Brock Great. of the Athletic and Jason Churchill oh, yeah. of Prospect Insider. And then we'll have Andrew Marshand of the New York Post. He's the sports media columnist. He's the number one sports media columnist in the country because Aikman and Buck are going on Monday Night Football. They got huge contracts. Wow. Buck's leaving Fox. You got Kirk Herbstreet going from ESPN to Amazon. You've got Al Michaels leaving Sunday Night Football. You got this guy, that yeah, guy. Yeah. So this guy follows all that. He's going to tell us why all of this happened. He's going to give us the inside scoop 
on all these guys leaving their TV jobs and going to other TV jobs. It's amazing. Amazon does not possess a channel on your cable network. No. And they just swoop in like in Thursday Night Football. Amazing, right? I guess I, if I don't have Amazon, I can't watch Thursday Night Football. That's what they're planning on that you say to yourself when you don't have it and you go ahead and get your debit card out and sign up. I don't even know. And if I do have Amazon, I got to learn how to use it. Oh, come on. You don't I know how? Really? No idea. No idea how I watch it on TV. I mean, I know how to go on a computer and watch it, <laughs> but I, I have no idea. On the yeah. computer box. I can't. I got my mind just doesn't work that way. Hmm. Well, I mean, it depends on what service provider you have, but I have Xfinity, unfortunately. Yeah. And you can just say Amazon or you say Prime Video on your remote. I've never used the voice thing oh, in my remote. Well, I forgot about that. I don't that. know how to oh, use it. Forget it. Call Brett. In fact, in fact, for the NCAA tournament, one of the TV networks that does the games is yeah. True TV. Oh. So I so I write, I have to write on Twitter. Does anybody know what yeah. channel? And everybody's writing me back. Just talk to your freaking remote. <laughs> Why are you asking us? It is, just ask. Yeah. Put True TV on. I, I don't know. That, do you have to set that up? I've never set that up. It is. Tis the season to find out where True TV is on everyone's <laughs> provider because no one ever knows until it's sort of like your CBS Sports Word password. You know, no, no one knows your password until this year. Time Somebody year. yelled at me, don't you watch Impractical Jokers? I guess that's a TV show what? on True TV. Sorry, I missed Impractical that one. Impractical Jokers. Yeah. People outraged by that. Anyway. Uh, no, you don't have to set it up. It just comes with your DVR. Typically. But, Unless you've had the same one since, it recognizes like, everybody's voice? You don't have to set up your own sure. voice? Sure. No, you don't have to set up. You just talk into it. It's awesome. All right. Let's try it right now. Do it. Wait. Let me see your remote. Turn, flip it around so I can see. Just the remote? Yeah. Uh, it's the button above Xfinity. Let's see if it works. Do like TBS HD or something. Wh what? Do or what? Pick a channel like TBS HD or something. And do I just say that? Or yeah. do I say, please put on? Or do I have no, to? No, you don't have to be polite. All right. Ready? And I press it. I hold it down? You or hold, hold it, it down, yeah. TBS HD. <gasps> Boom. Wait, this is fun. Wait, I think Hold you on. were already on it, actually. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The Playboy channel. <laughs> uh, don't get that. Yeah, you got to get you got to pay for that oh, one, I guess. Sorry. Or that's not a Let's thing try anymore. Everyone. Hold on. Hold on. One more time. This is fun. Great podcast. That's right. Here we go. Let's try. Let's try. My favorite. The Golf Channel. Oh, boy, look at that. This is the first time. I didn't even know that that worked. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I Holy feel like shit. Xfinity owes us money now for That's that ad. That's beautiful. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. All right. Yeah. Uh, last guest is Michelle Vopel. Okay. Uh, ESPN women's basketball senior writer on the Brittany Griner story. Yeah, I have that in my notes. It's amazing. Crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. She may not be coming back anytime soon. That's what I'm reading. And she gets convicted. And there's a whole thing about why it's not being yelled about from the the white house to right. the wnba there's this, like the strategic tact that we're taking that everybody's been instructed to be hush hush don't scream about this because if they find out if they think this is a huge thing right. that, it yeah. could be used as a bargaining chip for, completely completely it's incredible yeah. this story yeah I, I i saw a picture of her that and i probably shouldn't be laughing about this but when they took her mug shot She's like four inches taller than the chart. Well, she's like seven feet tall, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, I think, Maybe. yeah, like 6'10". But yeah. I've never seen anyone where they didn't have a chart that goes high enough for anyone's height for their mugshot. They probably oh, never... You mean, in a, you mean the thing in the background? Yeah, in the back. Oh. It tells you how tall they are. Oh, yeah. In a million years, did they ever think... I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to say her face was out of the shot. <laughs> because the camera didn't pan up. 
<laughs> doesn't matter. I mean, we're laughing, but God, it's a scary thing for it's her. It's terrible. It's awful. I know. It's terrible. We need so her we, back. So we've got Michelle Vopel on from ESPN to go along with Andrew Marshawn and the Mariners No Table, Corey Brock and Jason Churchill. Episode 183, Hot Shot Doesn't Happen Without Our Partners. Our sponsors like Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Try them. Evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza. Dollar slices and beer specials for the entire NCAA tournament at all Zeke's Pizza locations. And Kraken fans, don't forget about the bar area at the Belltown Zeke's for post-game specials. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. I think the number one place to celebrate special occasions in the Northwest. The Schwartz family just does it right. Easter Sunday is around the corner. Big day at Daniel's. Opening early. So make your reservations now. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys March Madness Pool. All right, the boys didn't fare too well the first weekend, but we've got a long way to go. I'm coming back. Begin your search for fireplaces and garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com. This is episode 183, a good one, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. I'm still really intrigued by what's Jared Kelnick going to be in the next year. Is he going to be 30 home runs and 250? Can he hit 250? I mean, this is a guy who five years ago, people were telling me he's going to hit 300 five years ago. Unfiltered. There would be something really enjoyable about Arizona winning. And you know what that is. The Weasel's assistant in his first year at Arizona wins a national championship. Now that would be beautiful. While the weasel is still waiting for his first, his right-hand man in year one wins the national championship. That would be beautiful. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, episode 183 is now officially underway. Hold on one second. What channel is the Purdue game on? Well, I need to know, did, did Jerry Lewis, did his team win? For yes. Sure? It's yes. over. Okay, Texas. <laughs> I just Texas, need to know. No one even knows that. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It does look like him, though. Walker! Here we go. You know, Rickles' old joke was, uh, you know, one of the kids was, they were in their wheelchair, and Lewis was singing that song on TV. Yeah. The kid got up out of his wheelchair and walked over to turn Jerry Lewis off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I thought you <laughs> I had you for a second. We're Rickles. <laughs> TNT HD. Oh, look at you. You're loving it now. Really? Oh, wait, I'll stop talking. Oh, there you go. It's a little slow, but it's good. You're good. Look at that. Boom. Purdue. I've got Purdue in the national championship game. You do? Not in the final four. Not that you care. This is like fantasy football. No, I kind of care. I've got Purdue in the national championship game game. It's impressive. I love that 7-4 guy. I forget his name. He's fun to watch. That big tall beast. They're good. They're very good. They got a guy named Ivory. Anyway, so let's get back to it. This is episode 183 with Hotshot Scott. Yes, sir. You got anything to say before I start? (sighs) Go on my spiel. Go on my rant. I want to hear your rant first. Well, it's not really much of a rant. I I didn't know where to go in the first segment of episode 183 because I got all these stories. Yeah. So I thought I'd just kind of fire through some of them. You want to do do that? Yes, sir. Okay. Um... Rashad Penny, happy, not happy, one-year deal, coming back. The reports are 
that he could have gone somewhere else for a multi-year deal, hmm. but he chose to do the prove it deal here. So it's like five and a half million upwards of six and a half with incentives. Okay. He's going to sign a one-year contract with Seattle. And then if he has a huge monster year, like he did the last five games. Yeah. Then someone else gets him. Yeah, then he leaves <laughs> right. and he goes and he signs some big, huge right. mega deal. I like that it's a one-year deal for him because of his health in, his health problems. He yeah. just can't stay healthy. Yeah. And for some reason, I've turned into the anti-Rashad Penny guy on Twitter. Everyone <laughs> thinks I hate him. And people love sending me his stats. Well, well you can send them over to my way because I, I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. Okay, well, that makes two of us. <laughs> All I, right, I, so you do hate him. I didn't. I don't think he's as good as his numbers would suggest he is. Yeah. When I saw him run through the holes, I, I, it just, it didn't do a ton for me. I feel like the O line was blocking a lot better. Remember, we went through all that. Yeah. So I, I like that it's a one year deal, and I'm rooting for him. I hope he has a great season. I hope he, I hope he proves me wrong. See, I think you're wrong. Really? Yeah. And I don't like. Rash- I'm not a Rashad Penny guy. I would not have. I would not have complained for ten seconds had he gone elsewhere on a new contract. It would not have bothered me at all. Okay. Because I just don't trust. The guy can stay healthy and the guys, you know, I don't want to be sitting here and questioning somebody's intestinal fortitude, but sometimes I wondered how important it was for him to get himself in shape and get on the field. Oh, gotcha. I probably shouldn't say that. I just probably shouldn't say that. He seemed to to limp off a lot, go Mm. into locker rooms a lot. I don't know. I'm I'm speaking out of turn. What I think you're wrong about Mm -hmm. is the last five games. Okay. I think he is deserving of all of the showers of praise that he got over those last five or six games. He was, I think he was amazing. He got the yards. He definitely got the yards. I, 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 don't, I don't think it was about the offensive line. Sure. I mean, when a guy has that kind of five games, there's yeah. going to be instances where there's big holes and yep. you're right. Yep. But come on, when a guy has that kind of stretch, it's not just about the offensive line. That guy was running through tackles. He was running away from people. He was amazing in those five games. Okay. Having said that, I don't trust him at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It was long lasting. Yeah. And I would not have been concerned had he decided to go somewhere else. And I'll be shocked. And I'm waiting to see what about Chris Carson. He's coming back. Whatever. Jeez, is he coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Can't we be done? No, we're not done. Really? No, he's one of my favorite guys. I, I like him too, but in the fourth game, he'd be out for the year with a neck injury or well, something. Well, you I mean, figure you can God. get eight from one guy and eight from the other guy. <laughs> you got to time oh, it perfectly. 17 now. Yeah. You get eight and, uh, a <laughs> and a third guy comes in and yeah. he gives you the one. So, uh, yeah, one-year deal. The Hawks are going to have Penny back. All right. Which tells you, by the way, what other people around the league thought about him. They agree with me. Yeah. Which is... Long-term deal, like four or five-year deal worth five or six million. Now, he could have probably could have gotten a two or three-year deal for less money, yeah. but he didn't want to do that. He was saying, I'll bet on myself here. Oof. I'm going to go out and have a 1,500 or 1,600-yard season. And and he must know, by the way, the status of of uh, Chris Carson, because I don't know that he would come back here right? if he's not given the opportunity to prove it. Yeah. Why sign a prove-it deal with the Seahawks? It's a good question. Let's say Chris Carson and him are both completely healthy after training camp or before training camp. Who goes with the number ones? Who's your starter? It's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. But yeah. it's not a great problem for him. He needs to go somewhere for one year yeah. where he's going to be the featured back That's right. for the first three games until he gets hurt. And then he'll be the featured back <laughs> right. in weeks 10, 11 until he gets hurt. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And then he'll be good at Madden from sitting on his couch all year. The Deshaun Watson story. Boy, you guys burned a lot of calories on Deshaun Watson. You and Danny O'Neill. 
didn't everybody burn yeah. a lot of calories yeah, you did. under Sean Watson? Are we the only ones who'd burned a lot of calories yeah, was, under Sean Watson? It was just a lot of talk, and then he just signs without the – not in Seattle like I was kind oh, of Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't know that any of us thought well, that that was going to happen. I think fans we were kind of hoping. Pu- There's some. Yeah, some, yeah. Many were not. Okay. I can see why. Oh, yeah. many were not. In fact, I think the majority – of Seahawks fans did not want Deshaun Watson anywhere near, but I thought it was a topic that needed to be discussed yeah. in the case that they went ahead and signed him. And then the deal in Cleveland, have you followed what Cleveland gave up, not only in terms of in terms of compensation to the Texans in the trade, a new contract for him, right. a sneaky, sneaky new contract that I'll tell you about here in a okay. second, and then what they gave up in reputation. They are just getting hammered. Oh, they are. Oh, as any as any team would be. Well, Cleveland's good to Cleveland. Listen to, listen to this. Here is the statement from the Browns. Quote, we've done extensive investigative, legal, and reference work over the past several months to provide us with an appropriate amount of information needed to make an informed decision about pursuing him and moving forward with him as our quarterback. Okay, that's what they said okay. in a statement. The attorney for the 22 women say he never called me and he never called any of the 22 he didn't they didn't request to talk to any of us so how extensive was the reference work and the legal preparation how 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 extensive was their their work that they did on deshaun watson would you expect them i don't know maybe you'd say i don't expect them to call the 22 victims maybe you do maybe you don't well maybe you call the lawyer at least but yeah, but then don't come out and say you did extensive because to me that that suggests that, that you, you did it. You dug in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, try to get to how much get a digging field. did you do if you didn't? Uh, sounds like the Browns are doing that thing that a lot of sports fans do, where you start kind of justifying and rationalizing. Yes, yeah, yes yeah. exactly. They gave three first rounders, amazing, five picks overall, and then. They turned around and ripped his con. He had a contract. A lot of people are like saying, "Well, he got a new contract. He got a- He had a contract for three more years, I think, or four more years. They ripped it up. Crazy. And and the only way that he would at one point, by the way, he said, "I'm the Browns are out. I'm not accepting a trade to the Browns." Hmm. You know, he had that veto right. Yeah. So the Browns are out, and then all of a sudden, Jeez. a couple of days later, the Browns were signing him. So he obviously changed his mind based on what they were willing to do, and this was what they were willing to do. They were willing to rip up his contract now where he was making like $27, 28000000 million, give him a five-year, $230 million deal. Every dollar is guaranteed. Oh. And that doesn't happen in the NFL. Yeah. It's by far and away the richest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL for a guy who is as controversial right. as anybody. So they give away all the picks. They rip up his contract. They give him a guaranteed five years, $230 million. So now you're asking the question, what if the NFL suspends him this year? just going to ask you that, Go ahead, I swear. ask that question. Well, I was wondering. We've talked in the past about how oh, the, the NFL can they just, don't care. Yeah. They can just swoop in and of course. do their own thing. And they're expected to do that. Right. I don't know how many games. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's six. Maybe it's eight. But the NFL is definitely going to act upon this. Big risk. The, the NFL is not. Go- no, it's not. This is the sneaky part. Okay. In the five-year, $230 million contract, Deshaun Watson's team asked the Browns to make the first year a $1 million deal. Okay. Oh. 
Go ahead. So when the NFL suspends him, as they expect him to do, he will now only be losing salary $60,000 a game. Right. It's prorated now to the, the $1 million is prorated by the games, and that's, that is slick. I don't. I can't believe that's legal. <laughs> What's not legal? I don't about? know. I don't know his worth. He, I guess he went to the team and he wow. said, "I want a one million dollar salary this year." And then <laughs> and the GM and said, two, "What about next year?" <laughs> and then two hundred and twenty nine million for the that's next right. four years. That's what they did. Wow. Because they did. Because if they had given him the you know the the fifty million dollar, do the math. Right. Yeah. If, if, if he's getting, let's say he's getting fifty million. Let's say he's getting forty million dollars f- for the year. Right. Divided by 17 per he game. He loses that per game. Now yeah. he just loses 20, 60 grand. Brilliant. But I, you would think that Goodell could go, look, you can't, you can't have a $1 million deal. He's, we, everyone knows You he's, have to make more. Well, everyone knows. Like, what did he make before this new contract? He was contract? making like 27 or 30 million. He should be right around there then. That's what I would say if I was Wait Goodell. You, you can't be slick like this. You have to make more money. You have to pay him his worth is what I'm saying. We yeah. know we know he's worth more than a million dollars on the field. That's between the club and the player. Yeah. I know there's no legal way to get around it. It just seems shady. But I guess it's smart if you're his team. There you go. Why, why a million? Why not just say 100000 for the first year? I mean, One dollar. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why stop at a million then? <laughs> if it's There might be a minimum salary in the NFL. Oh, okay. All right. Minimum Gosh. veteran salary. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, good for him, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's got oh, a lot of pressure on him it's now. It's going to be picketers. It's going to be a, just a, a mess over there. It's going to be a mess. We always talk about like we, we no one knows the answer as to when you've sort of paid your dues and you're allowed to work again. Once something, <laughs> you know, once you get involved. We, yes. I, I always bring up Louis C.K. Yes. When's he allowed to do comedy? You know, yes. I guess, what was this, two years? Two years and someone took a chance on him? Is that, is that how long this has been going on? Or he sat out last Seems year? like it's been going on about two years, but yeah. it's still going on. The civil yeah. part of it's going on. Uh, I'm not going to get into the <sighs> to the grand jury and the criminal things. I did that with Danny. Yeah, I made it very clear how I feel about the the grand jury's determination. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to hear what I have to say about that, it's a little bit alternative to what other everybody else is saying. But if you want to hear what I have to say about the grand jury deciding not to move forward with criminal proceedings, you can do that on the last show with Danny O'Neill. I'm not going to go there again. But uh, yeah. Big 22 civil lawsuits hanging over his head. Whew. He gets traded to Cleveland and they give him, they essentially give him everything he wants. Amazing. Anything you can have anything. It just come here. All they wanted was Deshaun Watson to be the next Browns quarterback. And they got it. You think this will blow over by the season or do you think people will still be up in arms? Oh, it's not blowing over. It's not blowing ever. Over. Okay. Ever. Wow. Ever. It feels like if he goes. This is following him forever. Yeah. But unless everything gets settled, of course, which... No, it's still going to follow. still going to follow. Well, yeah. to a lesser extent, but it'll still be hanging over his head forever. Yeah. Uh, what else? Matt Stafford. He's made a few bucks in his life. Yeah. He signed a four-year, $160 million extension to stay with the Rams. Just to give you a sense about that $230 million that Watson has got guaranteed. Yeah. Stafford's got $135 guaranteed. So the Super Bowl... Champion quarterback, <laughs> right? <laughs> gets 135 million guaranteed. Yeah, the guy with 22 civil lawsuits for sexual misconduct over his head gets 230 million. Now, maybe it's not a great, great comparison. One guy's a little younger than the other. Yeah, you I get know the, what you're saying. You get yes. the sense. Yeah, good things happen to nice people. I suppose we should uh, not wait till the other stuff segment to talk about the passing of John Clayton. Yeah, that was a rough one for me. Boy, did that come out of nowhere? Did you know anything about him being ill? No or? clue at all. And I've, I've looked around a little bit, and all I see is brief illness. They keep calling it a brief illness, and I'm no doctor. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I that I saw even- Greg Bell's tweet that he was supposed to go on the show with him this week, 
on the Saturday show, the Saturday show that he does yeah. on on seven ten. Greg Bell was going to oh, he was, was supposed go, to go on, and yeah. he got a call that he got a call from John saying, "Hey, let's push it off a week. I'm not feeling great." Oh my gosh, rough one. All I could think about was his wife, who I think people know has MS, and she's been vocal about raising money for MS. Yeah, I, I saw it, and I could think because I know he's her caretaker, and he bought this great new home near the Seahawks training center. He built an elevator in the middle of it so she can get around. He just, he's just like the sweetest man to her. And I just, all I could do was just send an email to her right away. Of course, I didn't, I'm not going to hear back, but it just, it just hit me so hard. I, I, he sends his newsletter every Christmas, his Christmas letter. And so we, you know, we keep in contact a he bit. He was at your wedding. He was at my wedding. You know, I was just like a producer on his Saturday show for like I a year like or saying, two. I was like saying, what was, what was he doing at your wedding? I mean, did you hire him to be a sideshow, like to do well, fantasy football league advice? He or? definitely took away from my day. <laughs> Graz too. Graz was supposed to be there, and he had some heart. You thing invited John life. Clayton to your wedding. Yeah, and it it, it backfired because you know my friends were all over him. They wouldn't leave the guy alone. Is that true? Oh, they were they were loving him. They couldn't believe that it was fantasy football questions, and there was like a line. He had like his own receiving line at the goddamn wedding instead of Megan and I. <laughs> People are waiting in line to talk to him. <laughs> I said on Twitter, "Hey, you think Brandon Jacobs is going to get get all the carries? He got Tiki Barber retired, like all that shit was coming at him." You know? Oh my god! But yeah, I was his producer in uh, like '95. And Tom Lee just said, "Hey, you're going to produce John Clayton's Saturday Show." And I was like, "How the, how long did you do that?" year or two maybe so I, every saturday i saw him and his wife pat would come in and kenny b's doing updates and we just had a great time on saturdays and i remember booking guests for him it was easy because everyone seemed to love him in the business i remember i called uh, jack ramsey you know he wanted jack Ram- jack that's right yeah like an nba guy that's Dr. right jack yeah ramsey? clayton wanted him on for some reason and he <laughs> said uh bro john clayton are you an ESPN station? Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, sure, I'll do it for John. Like everyone, <laughs> like I was scared. Jack Ramsey seems a little prickly, you know, and I was like, <laughs> everyone said yes to him. Everyone seemed to love him. And uh, that was a, that was, that was a tough so one sad. for me, man. Like out of nowhere, 67 out of nowhere. years old. Yeah. You feel for Pat. You feel for all of his friends. I mean, the outpouring of love since. I Crazy. Mean, if I get half of that when I go, I mean. I'd like to get like. One 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 thousandth, and I'd like it to be before I go. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's everyone just—he's the nicest guy in the world, and everyone just sort of agrees. Really that he was sad. This amazing. I'll just tell one quick story yeah, sure, that I thought sure. was cool. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine was turning forty, and his wife said, "You know, if everyone could just send a video wishing Dan a happy birthday, you know, you know, it'd be kind of cool." And then yeah. she put them all together in a montage. I was like, ah, "I don't really want my face," I, you know. So I was like, Dan's a big sports fan. Let me see if I can get Clayton to do like a scouting report on him at 40. You know, John doesn't know my friend. So I called John up and he, first of all, he was like, I'm talking to, to Bill Parcells. Let me call you back. <laughs> Every time I call him, he's, he's like, I'm talking to Jimmy Johnson. Let me call you back. You know, it's always that. But he's like, yeah, just come over. So <clears throat> all the time. So I went over to his house. Now, hold on. And, yeah. When Bill Parcells got a call in the middle of his call, does yeah. he say, listen, I'm talking to John Clayton. I'll call you back. Yeah, Matt, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on who it is. If it's Shula, maybe he takes that one or something. You know, uh, so I go to John's house. I, I just start recording and he does this really cool, funny. Well, you know, Dan, when you turn 40, blah, 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 you know, kind of a football scouting report on my friend. And, and, and when it played on the, you know, at the birthday party, people yeah. were like, what the hell? Where'd you get this ESPN? <laughs> you know, everyone just seemed to love him. You know, it was just yeah. amazing. And then the commercial. Right? I mean, forget it. Right. Like how self-deprecating. I mean, because remember that I forgot that Internet rumor that he had a ponytail. That I don't was, even know. I, I read that. 
in his passing. Yeah, I didn't that, know that that was a rumor. I remember the rumor. I remember being pissed I, off because I sat behind the guy for a lot of years. And he had no did ponytail. any of us think that he had a ponytail? Uh, no. He, no. He, anyone who knew him, no. Okay. There was no ponytail. Yeah. So then he leaned into it on the commercial where he takes his hair down and the big ponytail falls well, down. Well, they've been and, doing all those commercials for all these years, and I don't think any one commercial even comes close to that one. That was the most successful of all. That's the most memorable. that, don't they? Oh, of course. Yeah. There was something very, very special and funny about that commercial. He's called the professor. He's got the glasses, but then he's got a Slayer shirt on. (laughs) He's eating Chinese takeout, living at home with his parents. I mean, it was fucking... You know, my my buddy uh, Chris Cashman and I, we both talked one time about he would make a great documentary. You should see the life because we would we visited him at his house one time. You should see his schedule for every day. I got a one ten with Detroit. I got to go on a one twenty five with Cleveland, and then I got to go Sports Center at two forty five. I mean, his every day people calling and wanting him to go on to talk NFL. And then when he has his live hit, he puts a sport coat and tie on real quick. He's got sweats on, and then after the live hit, he takes that off. He's back in you know a crazy life that he led. I mean, I wonder so unique. why ESPN a few years back went away from him. Well, they went away from a lot of people, didn't they? Wasn't that yeah. part of the big... Yes, there was yeah. a big purge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would think that a guy like John Clayton had established himself as kind of an ESPNer for life. Yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised by that when it happened. I know that they have other guys, Schefters, and they're always trying to get young, and there's always new right. upcoming insiders. Right, right. I get all that. But like Chris Mortensen, for example. Right. You still see Chris Mortensen. He's had some incredible health problems. Right. He survived cancer. I think he's a couple of times cancer. You still see Chris Mortensen every once in a while on ESPN. True. They didn't. There's certain guys that kind of transcend the purge. Yeah. I would have thought John Clayton was one of those guys. I think, I think he got there a little too late. Right. They didn't. I mean, he didn't start doing TV till. I mean, Morton's has been there. How long? Right. Forever. 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 Yeah. I remember Ed Werder got let go, I think, at the same time with Clay. Ed Werder. So. Pretty big time. And yeah. I just think John got there too late. He's, he's a radio guy. He's a he's a you know, he's a print guy. He's, you know, TV guy. Right. I mean, so he just got there too late to be established like Berman or Mortensen, I think. Huh. I don't know. I know. He was he was a pretty unique really guy. Sad and always, story. always sweet to me. Really I've sad story. Him. Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you that he and I had no relationship. Okay, he did not like me. Okay. from the beginning, from right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very clear. Okay, um, and so we never really worked together or did much together. Yeah. or had much of a relationship. But I always, always respected. Obviously, it was impossible not to respect sure. his work ethic and the job that he did on ESPN and all the local radio stations. But uh, just a really sad bit of news, and out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I just yeah. absolutely out of nowhere. Well, he's on the Seahawks broadcast on radio. I know. Like last season, I'm driving to your house here in Clayton. Yeah. On the way to like after a game. Nowhere. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I he got his start. Hug, hug your loved ones. Yeah, no kidding, man. You just never Jeez, know, right? Right out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing the fabulous sports babe when she was on in Seattle. She would have Clayton on from the Tacoma yeah. News Tribune. Yeah. I used to go on with her. Oh, you did? Yeah. And Every then once in a while. She got her ESPN show and I'd be listening to it. And then, hey, we're going to go to John Clayton from the Tacoma News Tribune. I'm like... <laughs> Really? You're having a guy from the Tacoma? I remember thinking like, wow, how cool that a guy from Tacoma, he's going on a national show. Oh, you're talking about her national show. Her, she still had him on on her national show. Oh, okay. And I, that, I never I, went on her national show. And I remember thinking, wow. When she left here, after she left After here. she left. I was yeah. like, and that's what it hit me. Like, this guy must be pretty damn good. if she She's at ESPN. Yeah. Like, she could have probably whoever she wants. And she's having Clayton on. And that's kind of when it hit me. Like, this guy might, he might be pretty damn good. And I don't know. He was. He he. No one loved doing the Saturday show more than him. He absolutely, I sat with him for, I don't know, two years yeah. every Saturday. And God, he loved doing it. I liked the way he took himself, he didn't take himself so seriously. I liked the way they they used to do this shtick on ESPN. I don't even know if you remember it, but on ESPN, they did a regular shtick with him and Sean Salisbury. Yeah. 
You kind of remember that? I totally remember. If, if they were always ba- button heads. Yeah, they were bickering back and forth. Yeah. It was kind of the it was kind of the the, the deal. I, I just yeah. Did that, super did, that, sad. did that feel kind of forced? That no, no, no. I liked oh, okay. it. I liked it. I yeah. look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm it's... sorry. I'm sorry to hear of his passing. 67 years old. Let's do this. Let's get three interviews in here. Okay. Three interview segments, and then we got a ton of other stuff to do. Oh, do I? Two weeks worth, and I got an update. On, and I do too. An update on the fart license plate. You're gonna love this. <laughs> I know you've been up every night waiting for me to return to give you an update on the fart license plate. <laughs> look no further. It's here. Somebody get Danny O'Neill on the phone. <laughs> He'd be cool with it. He'd love it, too. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert, J-Flo. Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flo? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. (laughs) Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis? Or phone calls? Oh, there's time for <laughs> refis. There's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. Oh. There's always time. Who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. <laughs> Not for me, though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it Blakely's bracket busters and hers is busted already. She picked San Diego state to win it all. She's five. (laughs) All right. Lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world? Yes. So rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation, hopefully, and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low fours. So overall, still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market, and also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt, and there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of, say, FHA and uh, conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there. Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30 year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down, 200 grand down. And what's my, what's my monthly number through you guys? Yeah, pretty standard 20% down for a jumbo loan. Um, You're looking in the upper threes, call it three, seven, five, give or take right now. We have five and 10% down options with no mortgage insurance on jungle products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that 375 range. Beautiful. And how do I call you in between diaper changes and NCAA tournament games? Absolutely. You can reach me on the cell phone, 425-890-2957. We love J-Flow. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross Country Mortgage, Kirkland Office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Swing destroyed. This is going to the Tent City, baby. That is destroyed. Clobbered and gone. Oh, my gosh. Here's the stretch and the pitch on the way to Steven. Swing and a drive. Deep into the gap in left center field. And this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Get out the rye bread and mustard. It is red salami time. Creeping closer to baseball's opening day, April 7th. 
will be here before you know it. Time to get the band back together again. Mariners, no table time. Corey Brock, Mariners insider for The Athletic. Jason A. Churchill. I think I called him Jason Churchill last time. So I want to make sure I get it right because I don't want to get on his bad side. I know people that are on his bad side. Jason A. Churchill, prospect insider, host of the podcast, Baseball Things. What does A stand for? That is for, well, that depends on who you ask there, Mitch. <laughs> we can go in a lot of directions there, but uh, it stands for Andrew, which okay. I actually like. All right. Jason Andrew Churchill. I know, Corey, I probably should begin with Winker and Suarez, but I'm not going to do it because the Julio Rodriguez blast the other day got me more excited than the trade. Well, maybe a different kind of excited than the trade. We'll get to the other guys first, but the kid, how'd that ball sound off his bat the other day? Uh, It sounded like a cannon, and I'm not sure that it's actually landed yet. Uh, (laughs) I was going to go out and... uh, well, I'd probably have to drive toward Flagstaff at this point to find it. But, yeah, that was uh, some kind of moment for him. And, you know, his at-bats, even this goes back to last spring, all of his at-bats here are must-watch at-bats. And I I really wouldn't say that about really anybody. I mean, I think last spring it was the same with Kelnick, um, just to see what he was going to do in these games. And But, boy, that was, that was really exciting. And you start to, uh, I think, for, from a – fans perspective you could start to dream on this guy a little bit because he's getting closer and closer to the big leagues jason as a mariners fan and i don't know the product like you do i've been walking around thinking you know mid-season maybe september let's not rush it i've been scarred like everybody else with the way kelnick looked when he first came up last year is it time to readjust whether this guy's going to be on the roster opening day is there even a place for him on the roster. And if you're telling me, Mitch, that I got to empty my bank account one side or the other, I'm betting he's on the opening day roster. I'm 100% convinced they've already made that decision and that they're just waiting for a reason to go, you know what, maybe we shouldn't do this. I, instead of he can play his way in, maybe something happens and they change their mind. I'm convinced he's going to be on the uh, on the opening day roster. So if you're excited to see Julio Rodriguez, April 15th is going to be your first chance to do it in person in a big league uniform. I'm 100% sold that's happening. Corey, are you 100% sold? I don't think you are. I'm not, and it's no fault of his own. You know, I just think with the trade last week to get Jesse Winker now, it gives you Winker in left, uh, Kelnick in center, Haniger in right. You rotate some guys through the DH spot. I, I can, You know what? I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he was. I just don't think that he will. Um, but, again, you know, if he keeps doing things like he did the other day, I you know, they, they don't have to all be 434 one foot home runs, but, but they might I just be. feel well, well, or longer. Yeah. But he, uh, I, I just feel like he's getting closer and closer and, you know, they've been, the Mariners have been smart about this. They haven't said, no, he won't do it. Jerry DePoto said that, you know, he'll determine his own timeline essentially. And that may be sooner rather than later. So I, you know, I do think if, if he's going to be on your opening day roster, Mitch, he's got to play. He can't play every four days. So if you're going to have a four-person mix through the outfield and the DH spot, then I think that's fine. But, I, you know, if he's going to be in the big leagues, he's got to play every day because they would have said at that point that he's earned that opportunity. This is what I like about the note table. I got one guy telling me he doesn't think so, and I got the other guy telling me, by the way, with a middle initial of A, 
that it's 100%. It's already been decided. He will be on the roster. So go a little bit more in depth, Jason. You heard what Corey said, and I saw you shaking your head. We all agree that if he's going to be on the roster, he's going to play. There's no reason. So how are they going to shake it out with the four guys in the outfield, do you think? Yeah, for the record, I'm actually not a huge fan of opening the season with Julio on the big league. I think it's risky. Um, and not just because of what we saw from Taylor Trammell and Jared Kelnick last year. We've seen this for years, you know, huge elite prospects come up yeah. and they struggle and there can be setbacks. And we've heard players talk about, it. I think recently Jared Kelnick talked about this. When you get sent back, that's a really difficult thing to deal with, even though, you know, there's a chance you're going to be back in two weeks, a month. You don't want to do that. And if you think that's a, a fairly significant risk, then you probably should hold off for a little bit. I, I'm a, a proponent of uh, of letting Julio go to triple. He's never faced triple A pitching. He has right. 200 plate appearances above a ball for crying out loud. And I'm not saying he's not good or can't do things or that he's definitely going to struggle. I just think the risk there is a little too high for me personally. Uh, I'm just kind of going off of what Jerry's saying, what we're seeing from Julio, plus the needs of the club, the opportunity there. And the benefit of doing that now with, with some of the new rules, well, I don't think that should be part of it. And I don't think it's a major part of it, getting the draft pick by starting him off and, and maybe him finishing really high in, in, uh, uh, in rookie rankings and things of that nature. I just think everything points to he's got to find a way to play himself off of it or he's going he's gonna to end up there. But he starts the season there, and, and like Corey was saying, it's, it's Winker, it's Hanniger, it's Jared Kelnick, and if it's Julio, you have four guys there that rotate three outfield spots and a DH spot. But if that is the alignment, and those four in particular are the outfield DH. Luis Torrens has to catch or he's not going to find his way in the lineup very often, which brings up the question, how are they going to carry three catchers or are they? Is it going to be Tom Murphy and Luis Torrens behind the plate and Cal Raleigh starts back in AAA? Or are they going to do something different and a little bit unorthodox with their, uh, with their roster in order to carry everybody we're talking about? All right, boys. No Freddie Freeman. No Trevor Story. No Chris Bryant. I think we probably talked about those guys the last time we were together. Instead, Jason, he essentially spends his free agent dollars on Suarez. He gives him, what, 17 or $18 million a year over the next three years, the remainder of his contract so that he can get he and Winker in. Uh, what do you think of these guys? I know on Twitter you said he shouldn't be finished. That shouldn't be the end. And he came out and said, that is the end. Uh, offensively, maybe he's going to go out and get an arm. We'll talk about that in a bit. What do you think of Winker? What do you think of Suarez? What do you think they've done to the offense? They were a 226 hitting club last year, the worst in Major League Baseball, including the National League teams that uh, hit the pitcher. Yeah, the, the way I look at it now is, uh, you know, assuming, you know, a Mitch Hanniger or a Ty France doesn't tank from a year ago, and there's no reason to expect that they're going to go backwards, uh, especially Mitch Hanniger. He has a long track record. I, I think right now they're right around an average offensive club considering Winker, considering Suarez. I think Suarez is a uh, is a candidate for for some kind of a bounce back. There's an injury in there. There was the weird 2020 season in there. He did have a big September, October to end last season. We have seen him, you know, hit 260, 270 with, you know, up to 49 home runs. Uh, he did it 31 home runs last year. So I think there's some things that he can do. Maybe there's a bounce back there a little bit from Suarez. But I think one thing that, that we're underestimating, you know, kind of as a whole is the, the presence of Adam Frazier. Think about what the Mariners sent out there at second base last year with uh, with Shedlong and Dylan Moore for the most part. They didn't really get anything at all consistently or positive or impactful from those, you know, those two. And I, I know there was a couple other guys that play a little bit of second. 
And now presumably you're getting a, a pretty decent, probably a league average ish bat from Adam Frazier. They replaced pretty good defense there as well that you could just stick out there every day. That's a pretty significant uh, addition that we're not really talking about much because it's not a guy you stick in the, the two, three, four hole and, and expect to hit, you know, 20, 30 home runs and driving runs. I think they're about an average club right now. Yeah, they shouldn't be done. I understand free agent wise, at least big name free agency wise, they probably are. There's really not a whole lot else out there they can do. Maybe there's a trade they make during the season to to supplement what they have. But I think right now the the Adam Frazier get we're, we're forgetting about at least a little bit. You know, a lot of the fans are anyway. And and I think the the idea that. Ty France can't get better is just wrong to me. I think there's a little bit more he can do there. And obviously the kids, Kelnick, Julio, Cal Raleigh to an extent. And I'm really interested to see what Luis Torrens can do. Maybe there's a little bit more there as well, but I think they're yeah. about an average offensive club at this point. And I think that's probably why they're focused on pitching. They didn't, they don't see any other opportunities out there in free agency. Trades are going to be super expensive to grab an impact guy. So how do we squeeze out a few more wins out of the team to start the season? As we look at the roster to start the season, it's probably got to be pitching. And to be honest with you, they've talked about starter with the Casey Sadler stuff and the way, you know, pitching attrition is in major league baseball these days. I wouldn't be surprised to see them add another reliever too as well. Nobody, nobody expensive really, but just go grab another Casey Sadler or two, maybe sometime this spring or early in the season to kind of cover your bases for, uh, for some of these guys. And when they're starting the year with Ken Giles and Andres Munoz coming off Tommy John, you just really never know what you're going to get from pitchers anyway. And you have those two guys with that recent track record. So uh, I think they're just kind of shifting their focus a little bit and run prevention, maybe a little more than, than scoring runs, at least for now. Corey said a lot. You were a little surprised that they went Brandon Williamson. They included him on the trade or in the trade. Have they done enough offensively? Talk about Williamson. And the third part is, who are the pitchers? Somebody, so a lot of people have said, oh, they're going to bring in a starting a starting guy because they've got four quality starters, presumably, and maybe they're a fifth or a guy short. Yeah, I will say uh, if they're going to get a pitcher, it's going to come through a trade. As Jason said, the free agent market's pretty much dried up, especially on the pitching side. So it would have to be a trade. And what that's going to mean, of course, is you're going to have to bite your lip again and deal away a prospect you don't want to deal away. And that's uh, that was the case with Brandon Williamson. He's actually a guy I thought they would trade for two, you know, for two years because he felt below that top tier guys, right? He wasn't a Julio, a Kelnick, a Marte, a Logan Gilbert. But then I came around, Mitch, and I thought, oh my gosh. And I saw him at minor league camp here two weeks ago, and he looked amazing. And I was like, oh, now they're not going to trade him. Well, you know, you got to give to get. So I think, you know, if you make a deal now, you do still have some pieces in the minor leagues that you can move. Maybe it's Levi Stout. Um, maybe it's a lower level guy, but the, all these moves, they hurt, but this is why you build that depth. And if you're telling me you have a chance to trade, and this is just me speculating here, but if you have a chance to trade Levi Stout and Zach Deloach, the young outfielder, and maybe a lower level guy, for Frankie Montas, I think you got to do that. I think you got to do that in a heartbeat. And Jason's right. The offense is, is going to be better than it was last year, mostly you know, because it, it can't be worse. I like what they've done. I mean, the Jesse Winker, I think, is an exceptional talent. And I just don't see a lot of people excited enough about him. And, you know, nor is that my job to be a cheerleader here. But, man, they didn't have a Jesse Winker anywhere in their system. I mean, this guy's a special player okay. and you end up getting a third baseman in return and you take on 
uh, I think what is a fair contract, honestly, and like Jason said, maybe he's a bounce back guy. Corey, I'm going to ask you to go through the opening day lineup. Just take a guess at it in a second. But before I do that, Jason, you know as well as I do that the hot topic for Mariners fans will always be the spending or lack thereof. I mean, we could talk about players. We could talk about acquisitions. But as soon as you throw out on social media the number $88 million, which I believe is the number uh, for their payroll, and then you throw out Houston's going to spend $150 million this year. Texas is going to spend between $120 and $125. And the Mariners are sitting there at $88 Ah, they come out. The Mariners fans come out. John Stanton, he lied to us. They won't spend money. They're frugal. They're pinching pennies. They're not going for it. They should be up near the luxury tax. Do Mariners fans that gripe have a fair gripe or not? I don't think they do because, uh, and, and it's a little unfair to jump all over their case because they don't know some of the things that, that Corey's going to hear or that you're going to hear that I'm going to hear that other people are going to hear. If you ask Trevor's story and he was honest with you, he would tell you, the Mariners were really aggressive and he just didn't want to play here. I mean, that's just going to happen. And I think a lot of times we forget how far away Seattle is from these, these guys' homes and how advanced some of these players are in their career. Trevor stories with 28, 29 years old, Seattle isn't a destination. This isn't a, a, a championship caliber team where, where players are going to flock to that. They're going to say, yeah, I'm from Florida or I'm from Texas, but whatever they're going to win, you know, Boston, it has that tradition, has that history. When you look at that Boston roster, and you look at Bogarts and Devers and Chris Sale and some of the, the other guys on, on that roster, it's easy to believe that they have a chance to get to the postseason and you're just going to take their money and go there and play in a in a ballpark that is going to fit what you do better than, than T-Mobile. Park. I mean, that's really easy to get to a point where Trevor Story would even pass up 10 or $20 million more on a total contract to go play for the Boston Red Sox, even though he may not play shortstop there either. And then there were a lot of other clubs that were going to offer Trevor Story shortstop, Seattle was not. That's a completely different conversation. I think if the if the money that was offered was accepted, we would be we wouldn't be talking about this. There was a lot of money being thrown out there. I'm not sure if there were official offers made. That's something for 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 Jerry and the agents and the players uh, to know and for us to guess on most likely. But I do know that there were significant dollars being talked about with some of these guys out there uh, and Trevor story being one of them. And that just players just weren't ready to take Seattle's money. But you know what, how much money is a club supposed to add in one off season to satisfy fans? I, I just don't, the, the thing I don't understand is why is this all based on payroll? There's no logic to that. Look at the roster that's being built. If you don't like the roster yet, gripe about the roster a little bit. Like they're a little short on offense. I totally get it. You want another pitcher? Absolutely. I'm there with you. I'm ignoring payroll just because Jesse Winker is only going to make $7 million. Doesn't mean he's not a $30 million player. And that's just, uh, that's difficult to push over on some fans. And I completely understand it. Yeah. And, and Jason touched on this a little bit, but I, this is never gets talked about like what Jason said. Sometimes guys just don't want to come here and it takes two to tango here. And this is never, you know, this is always pegged as uh, Mariners are unwilling to spend, but you know, sometimes with everything else being equal, a guy's going to go er elsewhere, or maybe he doesn't want to spend his entire summer on an airplane uh, traveling with a team that logs the most air miles in baseball. There's any number of factors that play into this. And I get really tired of the narrative that, Oh, like they weren't aggressive enough. You know, they've been aggressive with all these guys, but they weren't going to go seven years on Marcus Simeon. They weren't going to go seven years on Chris Bryant, Trevor story six, even that, you know, there's some opt outs there. I think that'll work out fine for him, but 
you know, Simeon's a guy I would have liked, you know, and he got his deal done early, but again, seven years and, and like, what did Corey Seager get 10 years? The Mariners are never going to do that. That's not a good baseball move. The Bryant move. That's not a good baseball move. So, you know, maybe they have some flexibility to add later on, or maybe pick up a player at the trade deadline. Who's got some money on his contract that could help you win now. They have added $50 million in payroll, essentially with Suarez and Winker and Robbie. People forget Robbie Ray was one of the top, what was he? Number two, number three, starting pitcher on the free agent market. When the year started, maybe right behind Max Scherzer, uh, somewhere along those lines. I mean, and they got him. Like, I understand you want more and more and more, but let, you know, let's be realistic here. You know, sometimes you're just not going to add a hundred million dollars to your payroll in one off season. That's really, really difficult to do. And they basically have added half of that already via free agency and trade. So, you know, it'll build up. I, I think a good portion of when the Mariners do get to 140, 150, $160 million payrolls and beyond. And I do think they'll eventually get there. It's going to be because they've signed Julio Rodriguez to a 50 year contract. You know what I mean? Like I, I really yeah. think things like that are coming. Logan Gilbert gets a deal, you know, whether Kelnick does anything with, with Seattle or not, we'll find out, but it's going to be some of these younger guys. Maybe Ty France gets a three or four year extension. Maybe they extend uh, JP Crawford beyond his, you know, organic control years. I think he's got a couple of years left after this year. And then he's a free agent. Maybe they do something there and you'll see that payroll start to rise as early as during this season. They could do some of those things during this season, but I think they've been, you know, considering how aggressive we expected Jerry to be, he's been extremely disciplined in trade and free agency. And that's going to pay off at some point. It's, this isn't a, let's throw a bunch of our chips, all of our chips in this season and next season. This is let's win for like five to 10 years in a row. Let's be the Cardinals of the two thousands. Let's be the team that goes back to the playoffs consistently and has a shot to win the division has a shot to win 90 to hundred games and has a shot to win the world series in some of those years. And it just seems like that's what they're building. I, I, I have to commend Jerry DePoto in that front office for being as disciplined as they've been really since the rebuild started after 2018, it'd be really easy to go out and splurge because the opportunities there and the payroll for to, at some points has actually been, there. they went out and did the Yusei Kikuchi thing and extended Marco Gonzalez money actually is being spent but if you're the if you're out there and you're in the same division as the Texas Rangers and they just did the Seager thing and the the Semyon thing, I I understand why fans are like, wait, why can the Rangers do that and we can't? Corey, take a shot. A lot of Mariners fans will see this team for the first time when they flip on the television on April seventh. Just take a take a guess at the batting lineup, the order on that opening day. Yeah, and you're going to see some guys moved around a little bit based on matchups. I think, honestly, the lineup they had for their uh, first spring game against the Padres was fairly representative of what we could see, and that was J.P. Crawford hitting first, like he did last year, Jesse Winker hitting second, Ty France, Mitch Hanniger, Jared Kelnick, Gino Suarez, Abraham Toro maybe as a DH, switch hitter there gives you some flexibility, Adam Frazier hitting toward the bottom and then whoever the catcher is, if that's Cal Raleigh, Tom Murphy, or yeah. well, it'll be one of those two, yeah, I yeah. imagine, but, yeah. but you could, you could easily, you could flip flop Crawford and Frazier too, between one and eight and uh, see how that looks. But yeah, there's going to be some opportunities for guys like Hanager and Kelnick and Suarez to drive in some runs. And Ray Gonzalez, Corey Gilbert, yeah. Flexen, Who's the fifth guy right now? Sheffield? Potentially. They want someone who could pitch some multiple innings. I think that's going to be important for them in part of April. But then again, 
if, if they don't add from the outside, if that guy's not here already, they're very, very excited about what they've seen from these young pitchers, George Kirby, Matt Brash, and even Levi Stout. It could be one of the young guys. Those guys are knocking on the door. Those guys are yeah. coming. And if you say, yeah, if you say to yourself, you know what, Matt Brash is better than anything we could trade for here. And without, uh, you know, giving up a ton of prospects, maybe you just roll with him. He is on the 40 man. So it could be an internal candidate. Maybe this also gives them flexibility to make a move at the trade deadline. Like they did last year with Tyler Anderson, who was fabulous up until the last couple of weeks of September. So, yeah, I don't think this, this roster is a finished product either potentially now before opening day or, you know, on July 31st. But you think Kirby is a possibility opening day to be on this team? Yeah, him and Brash. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, wow. You know, okay. they, well, they lost, oh, these guys lost a year of development in 2020, which, you know, that hurt everybody. You know, they're no different than anyone else in terms of young prospects. But if you're talking stuff-wise, it's dynamite, and it's very polished for being a young pitcher. Ideally, they'd go out and add somebody. I brought up Frankie Montas earlier. He would be a nice fit for this rotation. They're not looking for a number five. They'd like to get a mid-rotation guy, if not higher, and really strengthen this core. But if, if they walked out of here and flew to Minneapolis uh, before opening day on April 7th, which George Kirby is your number five, that wouldn't be all bad either. Okay. Last question for the boys, and this is the hardest one. Let's assume no more acquisition, and I think there will be. I think that Jason's right. Uh, maybe a starter, maybe a reliever. I think there is a reliever coming, but let's assume they go to the gate with what they got right now. Is it good enough? What do we think? 90 wins? That's always seems to be the number. I used to think it was 88. Now 90? Are they good enough as is right now? Jason Churchill to win 90. No more acquisitions. See, usually I go into this conversation, Mitch, with uh, with the assumption that they're going to make deals once the season starts, even if they don't do nothing between now and then. I think it's a, it's about an 85 to 87 win roster right now. I think a lot, there's a lot of variables, though. There's a lot of wild cards, so to speak, with the young guys mostly. Like, what does Julio Rodriguez give you? What does Jared Kelnick give you? And another one, what does Logan Gilbert give you? I'm really bullish on Logan Gilbert being a, a three, four win pitcher this year and maybe being a candidate for the all-star team. I, I really like Logan Gilbert that much and think ultimately when you look at the caliber of arm, it's Robbie Ray and then Logan Gilbert instead of Robbie Ray and then Marco Gonzalez, okay. even though okay. that's not necessarily the order yeah. we're going to see them unravel. Right. Yeah, I'm between 85 and 87 at this point. I think they're going to find a way to get to 90 and ultimately I do think it's enough to break the uh, the playoff drop. Corey? I'd say between 86 and 88. Yeah, the offense is better. The rotation looks good. The bullpen, even if Casey Sadler is going to miss time, is still really, really good. Paul Seawald, all those guys at the back end of that. You know, again, I, I'll leave that with a caveat that I think they will add and they will strengthen this group wherever they see fit. But I think they've got a chance, especially with expanded playoffs. Maybe, maybe this is the year the Mariners get in. Corey Brock, The Athletic. Read him. I'm a subscriber. Love it. Corey, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Jason, good seeing you. A2. Good talking, Corey. And Jason Churchill, Prospect Insider. You're the best. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, it's time for some humble pie. Normally, Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner 
Evergreen Golf Call is back with us. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to go better than one for three. What's the theme this week? So the theme today, it's a March market update. I'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of volatility in the market. I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, The Evergreen Exchange. So that's a bi-weekly podcast that we put out that discusses investing, the economy, and financial planning topics. So for those of your listeners that are interested in listening to that podcast, you can find The Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen. Very good. I love The Evergreen Exchange, which means I'm going to do very well this week. Question number one, I'm ready. So inflation numbers for February were recently announced. The highest rate of inflation since 1982. What was that percentage? Was it 6%, 7%, 8% or 9%? Oh, I think it's seven or eight. I'll go 7%, I'll go B. I was actually 8%, so 7.9%. You were close. You're in the ballpark there. Down. Yeah, so that's the highest number, almost 40 years. It's driven so much by commodity prices, the price of oil. We're all seeing that at the pump. So it's been gradually increasing for the last year or so, and, and these numbers are quite staggering. I'm 0 for 1. Question number two with Katie Versio. Many market indexes, like the NASDAQ, as well as some European and Asian stocks, are now in what's considered a bear market. So how much does the market have to be down for it to be considered a bear market? Is it down 15, 20, or 25%? I'll say 15%, Katie. Actually, 20%. So the NASDAQ is down about 20% now. And within that, about half of the names in that index are down about 50% from their one-year highs. So there's been a huge pullback in that area. A lot of different companies are down. So it's been uh, it's been a really volatile year. I'm 0 for 2. I got one last shot, but I'm feeling good about question three. What do you got? So during times of market volatility, I spend a lot of time coaching clients about the importance of staying invested and remembering to buy low and sell high. So there was a study done where if you if you invested $10,000 into the S&P 500 20 years ago, that you would have returned about 9.5% annually. However, if you sold out and missed the 10 best days in the market, your return would have substantially suffered. Let's say you did that, you missed the 10 best days, what would your return have been annually? 5%, 6%, or 7%? I'm gonna say, I'm staying with a 5%. That's right, you got that one. Yeah, so I think it's pretty staggering to see that if you would have just stayed invested, you would return about 9.5%, but if you missed the 20 best days of the year, you would have shrunk that return to 5%. So it really highlights the importance to stay invested and to stay with the strategy. And maybe even invest some more when it's down. Katie Versio. That's exactly right. We love Katie Versio. Evergreen Golf Call, the Evergreen Exchange, a bi-weekly podcast. Evergreen's been a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. ESPN is looking for a new voice for Monday Night Football, and it's turning to a Hall of Famer. Joe Buck is reportedly leaving Fox to join ESPN. That according to the New York Post. Fox is letting him out of his deal a year early, the Post says. Buck will get a new five-year contract worth 60 to $75 million. He will join his football partner from Fox, Troy Aikman, who is also leaving to join ESPN. Almost as intriguing as football free agency has been the movement in NFL TV booths and the remarkable contracts that these guys are signing the last couple of years. And I'm telling you, no one has a better finger on the pulse 
and covers sports media quite like our next guest, Andrew Marshan of the New York Post and the Marshan Orand, right? Podcast. Did I get that yes, right? Sir. <laughs> yes, sir. He's back on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for being back, Andrew. Thanks for having me. You know, before we begin, I think I would be, maybe I'm the only one who'd be curious about this. How did this happen for you? I remember when I was in my 20s and I had graduated from that Syracuse program and I was in New York and Washington. I remember that there was a guy named Rudy Martsky in the USA Today and his sports media column was like the Bible. People were like, he could make or break a career by writing a column about you in the USA Today. How did Andrew Marchand end up in sports media, writing about sports media? Yeah. So when I went to the New York Post in like, uh, it was like the end of 98, maybe 97. Phil Mushnick, who's, you know, one of the best yep. sports media columnists of all time, uh, who has a, uh, a different style than Rudy, uh, a little more stronger opinions. Uh, you know, when I was first there, I was entry level position. And at that point, the internet wasn't as big a deal. Uh, so if you saw something, you might call Phil up and be like, hey, I saw this. Uh, and so maybe he might do something on it or look into it. And so that's how it kind of started. Um, and I always was very interested in the business. Uh, I read Rudy uh, every, you know, every, he was on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. You know, I read yeah. Phil, read Raceman, all those people, Steve sure. Zappé at Newsday. So I was always into it. This has always kind of been my passion, though, for whatever weird reason. So do the networks, ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, do they like Andrew Marchand or is he kind of a thorn in their side? Which one or, or both? <laughs> they all hate me. Um, <laughs> I would say I have good relationships with people. I don't know if sometimes you know, they don't like some of the stuff I write. Of course, I try to have no surprises. So I try to let people know what's coming, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think helps out a lot. Yeah, I don't. Sometimes they like me. Sometimes they don't. It depends. It depends what it says. And it depends what the story say. But we get along for the most part. I right? get along with most everyone. So the contract that Romo inked a, a year or two ago the 17 to 18 million dollar a year contract caught a lot of us by surprise the numbers what he gets 20 games in the booth a year it was kind of a watershed moment for the industry was it not andrew 100% and look if you look at why these deals happen generally speaking it's because of the tv contracts either changing hands or negotiations are about to begin. And in that case, ESPN was having trouble with Monday Night Football, trying to figure it out. And so they wanted Romo. That gave him a lot of leverage with CBS. Uh, and he was able to use that for a 10-year, $180 million deal. Uh, and for CBS, their thought process was, because this was just before the pandemic, You know, there were a lot of talk that maybe ESPN slash ABC at that point, again, pre-pandemic, was maybe going to try to not only retain Monday Night Football, but maybe go after one of the Sunday afternoon packages. So when you start thinking of, of it like that, I'm not defending necessarily the exact figure as if that's like a good contract for the amount of work and stuff, but... When you're talking about deals, that's probably the most important element of you know Paramount and CBS's business, having being in business with the NFL, you say, well, is it worth it to spend another close to $200 million? So we have that chip and Disney slash ESPN ABC does not. Does Romo's star shine as bright today as it did when he signed that deal? He was the thing when he signed that deal. And if you watch social media, you watch people 
Some people think he's a little lazy. Some people think he calls people by numbers. There's been a little bit of a backlash, and I wonder to you, Andrew, whether it's because a little bit of the contract. I think that probably has something to do with it. I just think that's generally how these things work, right? On the way up, people, everyone loves you, or most of the people love you. Right. And then you can still be loved, but just with the internet, you're you're never going to be fully loved. And he struggled. I mean, he's struggled this season. Like, it's going to be up to him. Does he want to mature as an analyst? Because there is a, there's a technical side to it that, you know, people maybe in the business more appreciate, but or the real diehard fans do, but the average fan who comes in also notices, maybe not why, maybe not as intrinsically or, or studies it as much. Yeah. So he's had some tough spots. So yeah, to answer your question though, yeah, he's not at the Zenith that he was. He had perfect. There's about a hundred things I go through, but yeah, Roma had yeah. perfect timing. Understanding these guys' values, Andrew, is somewhat complicated because they're not the show. Like ESPN houses all these debate shows, and those guys are the shows. And even the hosts of Sports Center are kind of the show. But when it comes to the football games, the teams make the game. The game is the game. In your opinion, do fans ever watch or not watch a game because of who the broadcasters are for that particular game? Not specifically, but I will say this. like They do enhance the broadcast. Again, is it a? I don't think anybody's turning on the NCAA tournament and saying, well, "Who's doing the game?" Will I watch it? Right. But I think if you watch like an Iron Eagle and Jim Spurnarkle, that team, for example, that makes the tournament. Though that Kentucky game, the loss the other day, made it felt bigger. It felt better. It was, you know, they're just on top of the storylines. There's another crew on. Are you not going to watch? Would you not have watched that? No. But in terms of what you're presenting, and here's the bigger part of it for Monday night football is that the NFL, it's important to them. And so even though you're giving them billions of dollars, they still tell you what to do a lot of times. And we'll see when the schedule comes out, we'll see next year, not this season, but the following season when flexible scheduling is involved. Do, do having Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, does that make a difference in that they get better games in that they know it's going to feel like a big time feel. And if you didn't have that, would the NFL be a little more hesitant? Now, there's a difference of opinion. You know, some people say NFL is not going to care. You know, obviously those people are in ESPN. ESPN is hoping it's gravy and they will care. And ESPN wanted to solve this problem. And these guys aren't old. So in theory, they could have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for a long time. Um, yeah. So that, you know, it's a five-year deals, but Joe Buck's only 52. Al Michaels is still going at uh, 77. I'm not saying Joe Buck's going to go that long. I don't know if he wants to, but he still could try to do that. So let's talk about that. You talk talk about Aikman and Buck in the in the Monday Night Football booth now at ESPN. It's interesting how they got there. For our listeners who don't know, Aikman says Fox didn't really want him back and didn't make an offer. Buck had a year left, and they just kind of let him go. And he was an important baseball voice, obviously, for them as well. Aikman apparently got Romo's deal or something close to it at Monday Night Football. We'll talk about the dominoes of what's going to happen at Fox and NBC afterward. But maybe you can put into perspective, short story, how this happened and why Fox would let Buck go with a year left on his contract. Yeah, I think ultimately they just want to do right by Joe Buck. You might say, well, why would they do that? He has been there for nearly three decades. If he'd stayed, this was going to be hanging over them uh, for the next you know, year to three years. Because if, let's say, he hadn't gone, Al Michaels went there, he would have signed a three-year deal. And the question would be, well, is Joe Buck going to ESPN? So uh, you could see, like, do we really want to deal with this for the next three years and we right. just get this over with? This is what 
Joe wants. He's a young family. His wife, Michelle, already works there. He really wants this. The money is much better than what Fox was willing to offer. And so you can understand why they would do that. Will he do ESPN baseball or not? No. Okay. I mean, maybe a game here or there, but nothing regular. So how do you explain that? You you already explained the Romo thing. Let's give you a shot at something we talk about in our podcast all the time. Buck. He's a fascinating figure from the standpoint that universally he seems like the most disliked, razzed broadcaster in the world. Nobody gets more grief from audiences than Joe Buck. And yet within the industry, I think people somewhat revere him as just a great tactical play-by-play man. Why do people hate Joe Buck? Andrew, finally answer this question for me. I don't care. Yeah, I don't think that's true. No? I think social... Nah. I don't think personally, I don't, I think social media can hate people. I don't think that's really real life. You look at the numbers on Twitter. Most people aren't on Twitter. Is there backlash for Joe Buck? Yes, because we live in a different time. If Vince Scully, in my opinion, was abroad doing the World Series last 24 years, there'd be people that he's too long winded. He only talks, you know, he tells all these stories (laughs) that people would find something. Not everybody. Maybe Vince Scully would be more popular than Joe Buck. I don't know about that. I just think it's a different time. And and also since he got into his position at such a young age, 27, he's doing the World Series. I think he was 32, 33, he's doing the Super Bowl. And his dad. Uh, and you know, So exactly. And so then the people are going to say nepotism. I mean, think about the nepotism aspect of it. Nepotism gets you an internship. You don't get to do the World Series for 24 years, you know, because of nepotism. Did he have advantages? Of course. Uh, but I think I could argue also there's an advantage to knowing how to do the job by growing up in a press box and your dad's Jack Buck. So you understand the business and, and how to call a game more than if your dad was, you know, working uh, a different job. And so, yeah, there are there people who hate Joe Buck? Yeah, I think so. But I think you see that with a lot of the big time announcers in this generation of the internet. And you could see it with Costas. You know what I mean? There's just, it's just yeah. a different uh, animal than it once was. All right. So domino effect. Now Fox needs a number one TV crew for the NFL. Andrew's going to tell us who that's going to be before it actually happens. And then we've got Amazon doing Thursday night. I guess it's believed that Al Michaels is going to leave NBC or he's leaving NBC and going to do the, the Thursday night package on Amazon. A, who will be the new Al Michaels? I'm assuming Tariko, another Syracuse guy. Yep. or and, and then who's going to be Michaels' um, partner at Amazon for Thursday night football. Take all those on, Andrew, since you're, sure. the, you're the voice. So it's Rico and Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night. On Thursday, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Oh, we knew that. Yeah, that's right. Kirk Herbstreet. So, uh, and then on, what are we missing? Oh, Fox. Fox. And they have two of the next three Super Bowls on Fox. Kevin Burkhart, expected to be the play-by-play guy. And then the analyst, I would say the number one candidate is Greg Olson, but I think they will look around. So that's not a guarantee with Greg Olson. What about Sean Payton? What about? Yeah, I don't think Sean Payton. I think he's more studio. Maybe he could be on that number two team. Uh, I think what hurts him is two things. Number one, he's kind of indicated that he wants to coach. Number two is from people I've talked to. He's a little windy, uh, you know, long winded. Again, he could learn. He's a coach. He could learn how to talk shorter and perhaps he could work in games. I can't totally rule out champagne. I just think if they're going to go someone inexperienced, I think they'll go Olsen. You know, he has a year under his belt. Good reviews. Already partnered with Burkhart. I just don't see why you would 
you know, maybe slightly bigger name with Sean Payton, but I don't think Sean Payton's Bill Parcells. So I don't, to me. Two last questions for you. I'll let you go. Number one, is everybody still waiting on Peyton Manning to jump in a booth? I know he's doing his they show. They should. Zero percent. I've been told. I don't think he's ever doing it. Never he's doing it. the Manning cast. Yeah. He's getting paid great money to do the Manning cast. Yeah. Is the Manning cast something that we all are going to love for years and years to come? Or is there anybody that like me? I mean, I... I felt like obliged to like the Manning cast. Like people were like, if you don't like the Manning cast, there's something wrong with you. As the yeah. Manning cast went on week after week, I found it a little difficult to watch, maybe because I'm in what I do because of the dynamics and the guests. And it was a little bit awkward and timing was off a little yep. bit. Um, what do we think of the Manning cast? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I'm not, I'm kind of with, like, I liked it a lot. I think okay. it's very good. It was definitely additive, but yeah, I didn't think it was like, oh my God, it's the Manning cast. It's like the greatest thing ever. Right. Like there were segments that were really good and watching Peyton get all upset. I think it's probably better. It's only 10 games. I think every week would be too much. So yeah, like, I don't know if it's like, I, this is, those things are additive. I just don't know. Those things are never taking over to me. I just think people, when you, when you like the game that you're watching, that's, you know, that you want to want a regular broadcast and that might sound old and, you know, maybe a young person be like, ah, I don't need that. And yeah, a casual fan might not care as much. I just know when I watch the Manning cast, I don't feel like I know what's going on in the game. And so like, if I'm interested really in the game, I'm going to go with the regular crew, especially now, you know, Buck and Aikman. Andrew Marchand, uh, follow him on Twitter. If you can read his stuff online, I think I'm just going to call you the the new Rudy Mar the new Phil Mushnick. Not new. I mean, you're not new. You're not a young guy anymore. Well, you're kind yeah, of a young guy, guy compared to me and you anymore. Andrew Marshan, great to have you back on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you for doing it, Andrew. Thanks, Mitch. Hey, now, Zeke's president and March Madness bracket expert, Dan Black, rejoins <laughs> us here on Mitch Unfiltered. You know, you saved us last year. You, or you saved yourself. We didn't have to give away too many prizes because of your bracket last year. Yeah, no, I kind of bailed us out last year. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Dan, how are you? How are how are the Zeke's Pizza locations as we continue our return to kind of closer to normal? Uh, you know, it's good. It is great for the world to feel less covety, and it is great at Zeke's to have people in our bars being festive, in our dining rooms being festive. And, uh, you know, that's that's the overwhelming feeling right now is just coming out of COVID. It's been great for our catering business to have people coming back to the work and going to the office. Catering's a big business for us, and we do a lot of corporate delivery downtown to Amazon and Facebook and stuff like that. So that's that's been fun, too. How about the return to normal? Does it hurt the delivery layer of your business? Yeah, it changes it a little bit. You know, there's less residential takeout and delivery, but with bar business coming back, dine-in coming back, and then, like I say, the big thing is, if catering comes back, that more than offsets all of that stuff. So it, yeah. it's it, overall, it's good. It's a Levy family tradition, the tournament family pool at a Zeke's location. We picked up Max in the middle of finals at the UW. He was thrilled about that. And the four of us had pizza, salads, and brackets. What do you guys have going in terms of tournament specials, Dan? Yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff going for March Madness this year. It's great. My favorite thing is we've got dollar slices going at all our bars if you're in there drinking. Nice. We got good pint specials going on Laterale and Hop Tropic. We got Tall Boys of Zeke and Destroy for uh, cheap. And so I've been posting up at the bars, watching the games and eating <laughs> dollar slices. What am I hearing about the Kraken post-game specials at my favorite Belltown bar location? Yeah, that's actually where we started the dollar slice thing. So uh, after every Kraken home game, 
now we keep the bar open late and have good drink specials going on. And like I say, the main thing is we got dollar slices going if you're sitting at the bar drinking. So that's it's super fun. Beautiful. Good times at Zeke's Pizza, who has been just an amazing supporter of me through my radio days and now since the beginning with a podcast as it's grown, Mitch Unfiltered. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Breaking news now. Russian authorities have extended the detention of WNBA star Brittany Griner for at least two more months. Earlier this morning, a Russian news agency said local courts ordered her held until May 19th. Griner was arrested last month after customs officials claimed they found hash oil in her luggage at the Moscow airport. In Russia, that crime carries a prison sentence of up to 10 years. I'm sure by now that you know superstar women's basketball player Brittany Griner continues to be detained in a very weird, scary, sad story in Russia. Last week, a petition was granted to extend the 31-year-old's detention all the way to May 19th, which, by the way, goes into the WNBA season, as I understand it. She's been uh, she's been there since February. Michelle Vopel, uh, ESPN writer for a long time. I don't want to date her, but for a long time, she's a, a terrific uh, cover of the women's basketball scene, and she joins us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for doing it. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I, I actually don't mind being like um, <laughs> dated because I think you sort of embrace your age, right? So um, <laughs> I, I have been at ESPN since 1996. So wow. longer than longer than some of my colleagues have been alive, which wow. is kind of fun. Oh, boy. Is this a story in your rest? I read a I read a column, a piece. I think it was in the New York Times or the New Yorker magazine. It's not getting the attention it deserves. Is this if this were a male star player, it'd be a lot different. Would this be the biggest news story in the world if this were, I don't know, an NBA all-star that was in Russia? Possibly, but this is where I think it gets complicated, Mitch, is because everyone close to Brittany, and I mean everyone um, who those of us who cover women's basketball have been in contact with, have asked us not to make um, this that type of story. And, and I think people have kind of caught on to that, especially when they see how relatively quiet the WNBA players have been about it. Everybody knows the WNBA players aren't afraid to use their voices. You know, that that was something they really, um, you know, have been celebrated for. I would say the fact that this is such a, like you said, a scary situation, people have actually thought it might be in Britney's best interest with everything that's going on, if it is more on low simmer. But to, to go back to your question, it probably wouldn't matter if it were a big enough NBA player because there'd be no way to even try to manage that. Um, but, but in this case, I think if some people are thinking this is, you know, sexism or it's, you know, the, the people don't care. And, and I can assure you that is not the case with a lot of people who cover it is that we have been given very direct interesting. requests and even pleas about this. Yeah. It's interesting that you point that out. You kind of beat me to the punch because there's a tactic involved here. The white house is not talking about it publicly. You guys have been told you just said to not talk about it. The WNBA has been told to be at least the players to be very careful what, what are we worried of? Uh, I'm naive here, Michelle. What are we worried of that uh, too much hullabaloo will prompt Russia to maybe use her 
as some sort of an example, a political example? Is that what we're worried about? If they think that we care so much and it's such a huge story, they might act differently over the next couple months. Yeah, I think there's some concern in that. And then just concern, you know, in the fact that this is such a volatile situation, drawing even more attention to her, you know, may make her, as you said, somebody who, who doesn't go through the system the same way that a normal person would. That said, you know, the system itself is something it, it's different than, yeah. than the American criminal justice system. Right. But their hope has been to try to adjudicate it that way. And that's, I think, what they're still doing. But as you said, there's there's still a lot that, that is just tenuous and, 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 and unknown. And, and that's what I think scares everybody involved. Would you it. be willing to tell us from the beginning what you know happened the best that I can put together is that she was traveling to Russia where she plays off season. A lot of these women players play off season to supplement their um, their income. And she was carrying some sort of a vape cartridge of marijuana or something. This is in February. And she was detained. That's all I know. Do you, can you fill in some blanks for us, Michelle? I mean, that's pretty much the story, honestly, that that's what happened. And people may be wondering why was she traveling and, you know, back into Russia, her team had had a, a little break, UMMC, Ekaterinburg, and she'd come back um, home or come back to the United States. And then was going back from everything, excuse me, we've been told the the WNBA agents who, who are really, you know, kind of managing their players during, you know, the WNBA off season still felt it was safe to go back in at that point. So we're talking mid-February. What's interesting is that, you know, the U.S. State Department had already released in January a do not, you know, do not travel to Russia. But the players, you know, are used to being in, in Russia, have been in Russia for, you know, 20 plus years. And, and I think felt like, hey, this isn't going to come to our doorstep. You know, in, in Russia, we're still going to be able to play. And shortly after the invasion of Ukraine, that changed really rapidly. But at that point, you know, Brittany had already been um, detained. So this investigation, which is a different kind of an investigation that we all know of, continues and it's uh, been expanded. Do we know where she is, Michelle? Is she in some sort of a detention center? Is she in a jail cell? Are they treating her well? Has anybody gotten any information about about her whereabouts? Yeah. And her, you know, her Russian um, legal counsel has been able to see her and talk to her. Brittany's been able to get outside correspondence and then send correspondence, obviously, you know, by, by no different than any place else that's read, you know, before it goes in and before it goes out. So at this point, you know, she is doing OK from everything, um, you know, that, that people close to her have heard and been able to share. And, you know, she asked me, she requested to be held outside of the facility that she's in with a local person that she knew. And I don't know that that's been granted or that they expect it will be granted. So for right now, as good as she could be doing for being detained in another country from everything we have heard, she she is OK. Is this more about the vape cartridges? A, B, the the unrest the international unrest of the country B or a black woman in the LGBTQ community C in a country with inflammatory and discriminatory laws in place to begin with. What, what is this all about in your estimation, Michelle? 
I'm not sure that we can say for sure, honestly. I, I mean, the, the fact is there, there's so much about these situations because obviously there have been other Americans detained who have been in Russia for, you know, in some cases over two years. Um, you know, two fairly well-known cases of, um, you know, men who've been in, in Russia, been detained and, you know, feel like they, they didn't get a, you know, a fair trial, if you will. So uh, at this point, and honestly, what we've been reporting is strictly what we know, which was that she was detained, that, you know, she was detained for having the substance and that now she's going through the, you know, through their criminal justice system. All the things you mentioned, though, are things that came immediately to mind, you know, just because it's those are those are really serious worries and concerns. Mm. And if she's convicted of this crime? Well, what they're saying is, you know, it's a, it's a could be a five to 10 year prison sentence. So at, at this point, that may be what she's facing. That that's obviously something. Obviously, it's a, a, a huge concern as well. She allowed to be in contact with her family back here. From, from everything we've we've been told, it is just through written communication. Do you think there comes a time in this process as this so-called legal system plays out where we decide as a nation, the WNBA, the White House, you and the press, we decide to take a different tact on this? Are we being quiet till a certain degree, to a certain extent? And then if we see something that we don't like, we're going to start screaming at the top of our lungs? I, I don't know that I want to speculate on that. Honestly, I, I, I think right now the thought still is this is this is the best way to handle it. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you look at some other cases, you know, even some long term cases, they've tried to handle it more quietly. I don't know if either tactic is going to work. Well, we all pray for her, Brittany Griner. Um, we hope that she hasn't become some sort of a bargaining chip between Russia and the United States. Michelle Vopel. Terrific writer and and follower of the women's basketball scene for a lot of years since 1996. We just found out uh, at ESPN, Michelle. Before you go, we find you in somewhere in Iowa City, somewhere in Iowa, in the great state of Iowa, having watched this incredible college women's basketball player, Caitlin Clark. I'm I'm certain that most of our audience by now has seen Clark. You know, step across the midcourt line, a la Steph Curry, and and launch shots from every angle. She's the leading scorer in the country. What is she? A freshman, sophomore? She's young, right? She's a sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. Okay. Sophomore. sophomore. Uh, leading scorer in the country, leading assist in the country. Which for guys that are old enough like me, we remember the tiny Nate Archibald was the first, I don't know if he's the last, but he was the first guy to ever lead the NBA in scoring and assists in the same year. She plays a game, I, I don't follow it that closely, but it appears when I see her highlights, Michelle, that she plays a game different, a, a game that's different than most women's players before her. A lot like, as I said, Steph Curry, a lot, a, a lot, of, a lot of panache, she used the word panache before we started to record. Give us a sense of what she's like. And what we're seeing here, you know, I think she's somebody who really likes to entertain. And I mean that in a really good way. She, she understands that part of the reason, you know, they had a they had a full house at Carver Hawkeye Arena um, yesterday for the first round. So that's over 15,000 people. And it was just a, a fantastic atmosphere because for, for, for two reasons, everything you say, she's fun to watch. She will let it fly from anywhere. 
and she's a good shooter. She's not just, you know, letting it fly to let it fly. She, she feels like, you know, she can hit from anywhere on court, but she's also a great distributor. And, and so that combination is, is something you don't see. You really don't see it uh, on the men's or women's side that often, you know, just because it's, you know, how, how can you be the leading scorer and the top assist person? It, it's hard. You, hard. You've got to be facilitating yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think she she loves, you know, the fact that, you know, she's inspiring people. She She's just got that personality. She's very engaging. And, you know, it's a big deal here in the Midwest when somebody chooses to stay. Caitlin could have gone just about anywhere in the country and she stayed in her home state. And, and that is part of the other reason why people here love her so much. And so what's next? How does it work? Does she have to play one more year there? She's only a sophomore. Can she come out this year? I don't know if she was ever redshirted. What, what's her future like? She'll be the, the future number one pick in the WNBA draft. You know, it'll be interesting because she, um, you know, and, and with, with women's basketball, juniors can come out in the draft if they turn 22 the year of the draft. But Caitlin is, uh, you know, I talked about, talked to her about this earlier. So she has no interest in leaving Iowa anytime soon. And that's, that is an interesting thing on the women's side, the NIL deals in some ways, Caitlin may never be uh, any more popular than she is at Iowa. So I don't think she's uh, eager to leave Iowa soon. She really wants to play in the WNBA. She grew up watching it, which is really nice. A player who can talk about the WNBA's history, she can. But I, I think she wants to at least stay her four years in Iowa for sure. Wow. She cashing in? She doing well? She, you know, she just had a deal with H and R Block along with the players wow. I Cook from, um, you know, from uh, South Carolina. Wow. H uh, and R Block has put in a, a million dollars into their NIL deals, and so she's got that. She's got her own T-shirt line, which called, which is called From the Logo, which is kind of funny because that's, <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes she's uh, when the logo is big enough, you know, the, the Michigan court readers might see that. Yeah, giant M. She she was taking a few from which where her feet were still on the M. So, um, so yeah, she is doing well and i think it's and she just loves it you love a kid who is like just embracing every moment of being in college and that's what she's doing right now well it seems to me that there's some espn executives that would love to see iowa continue to advance in the ncaa tournament right <laughs> she needs to be in there for as long as possible right and well what kind of team do they, do they have a chance to go to the final four you know i i think what's what's tough for them in terms of going to the final four is their number two seed in the region with south carolina which is oh. the overall number one seed yeah um so i do think that's going to be that would be a big ask but if they can make it if there's a a, a, a you know greensboro regional championship game between south carolina and Iowa, I'm watching. that is going to be a huge game. I'd watch. Yeah. I'd watch. Michelle Vopel, thank you so much. Travel safe. Enjoy the NCAA Women's Tournament. And we'll all hope for uh, Brittany Griner's safe return sometime here very shortly. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic 
the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well. The Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest <laughs> to see those Seahawks do really well and my beloved UW Huskies. But, uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And, and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we do with you guys is we want to send somebody out there, an expert, to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything's going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations, and get that stress-free buying experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors and fireplace units? Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks, and you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Time for a check-in with the CEO of our favorite steakhouse, Daniel's Broiler. Here's Lindsay Schwartz. Lindsay, how are you? How are the restaurants doing? It's got to be getting busier now. Mask mandates have been lifted. It feels normal again, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really starting to feel normal, Mitch. It's been great. We're getting busier every week. It's just so nice to see people smiling faces without the mask. Our team members have been wearing masks for two years now. So um, just so nice to see the smiles and happy faces and busy restaurants. We love it. You do a lot of special occasions. The Bourbon Bash on March 12th, how'd that come off? It was awesome. It was packed. It felt like the good old days. Everybody had a good time. Nice to see friendly faces who we see there year after year. And just an awesome way to kick off spring. I say on virtually every podcast, every episode, that there's no place that I'd rather go on a special occasion than one of your locations, one of the Daniels Broiler locations. Now, I'm not an Easter guy, but Easter Sunday is April 17th. What do you guys do? Yeah, it's a big day for us. It's one of the only Sundays where we open the restaurants early. We serve the dinner menu all day long. Bellevue and Lake Union locations will open up at noon, and Leschi will open at 11. It'll be a busy day, so people who want to go should make reservations. And the mixers are still selling well? And where do we get them, Lindsay? They're selling great. They're on Amazon. We've been on Amazon for, uh, man, a couple of years almost now. And uh, we've been in QFC for the last few months, and it's off to a really good start. And whose idea was that? Well, I'd like to take credit, but I got to give credit to my little brother, Danny. He's the uh, he's the family cocktail mixer guy, and he did a great job with these. Daniel's Broiler has been a great partner since back in the radio days and since the beginning of this Mitch Unfiltered. Please support him at Daniel's Broiler. They're a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. 
Other Stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott, episode 183. I have this list of stuff. Mine is all sports. Uh, you want me to go through them? Yeah, you want to do me. yours first? What do you want to do? You want to go back and forth? How do you want to do it? Let's go back and forth. But I did tease the fart license plate, so I really should probably give that update. I know Jesus people have been sitting through that. They probably fast forwarded. Well, you, you have through. to start over at the beginning and tell everybody who missed the first part. The first time around, the fart license plate story. So a woman wanted a license plate that simply said fart. Fart. F-A-R-T in North yes. Carolina. Yes. A vanity plate. Yeah. She applied for it, and much to her surprise, she got it. She she had the license plate on her car that just said fart. <laughs> we don't know why she wanted it. She got it. All Let's right. Let's get her on. I know we should. But there's a cool update. So then after, so the update is... She got a letter that said, look, we're getting complaints. You can't have it anymore. We're taking it. We're saying no. They can do that? They can do that, yes. Can they do that with my, like, uh, BAC 2314? <laughs> if it offends people. Wait, did you just give that out, really? I don't no, know. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Dear Mr. Levy. Yeah. BAC 2314 has, yeah. has been thought to be objectionable to some of the people on the road. Go ahead. All the right. Bellevue Athletic yeah. Club, not happy with that yeah. license plate. <laughs> Yeah, so 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 now they say you can you can keep the plate, you just can't use it on your car. Well, what good is that? Exactly. And she even created, remember she created a foundation, the females are like trail, it's something that's that stood for fart to make it like she had some organization. <laughs> All right, so she can keep the plate, can't keep it on her car. Now, I saw on Reddit a picture, and I have to show you, you're gonna love this. There's a woman in North Carolina yeah. who has a license plate that says shart. And they have come together and united as a team. The fart lady and the shart lady have come together. The world's greatest superhero movie right there. I don't know. I just loved it. She just had to get fart. I don't know why she wanted it. So she's not allowed to keep it, but shart lady apparently can keep hers because it's on her Volvo. So there's your update, everybody. All right, sports. Let's go. How do I go to St. Peter's <laughs> that was after great. fart? Uh, St. Peter's is fun, though. That's a fun story. You rooting for him? Of course. How do you not? St. Peter's, the 15th seed. We always get it. Have you, have you enjoyed this version? of? Do you, they beat Kentucky. Right. Everybody loves to, to bash on Kentucky, right? Who likes John Calipari? I know. I was looking at him just thinking, oh, I'm loving this. I, I, <laughs> I didn't have Kentucky really going very far. I, just, right. I was loving it. St. Peter's great. is in the Sweet 16. Yeah. The 15th seed, coached by Shaheen Holloway, who's a former Seton Hall guard. I remember him from my Big East days, traveling days. Yeah. And he's going to be the next Seton Hall coach, probably. I was going to say, after that win, I was like, that guy better get his agent on the phone and say, well, start calling around. Well, I mean, as soon as the tournament's over, the Seton Hall coach is already leaving Seton Hall. Okay. He's going to like Maryland or something. So the Seton Hall job is available. Wow. This is the former Seton Hall point guard. All, I wouldn't say all American, but pretty close to it. Okay. He's a great high school player. And I would imagine that he's going to leave St. Peter's to go to Seton Hall. But, Love it. Yeah. It's Amazing. A great story. I wonder if Kentucky's going, look, they're not that bad. I mean, they won again, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to, is Kentucky no, trying they, to they turn around. Yeah, they turn around. <laughs> they won. They beat Murray State. Yeah. So they're not, you know, they're not. No. Well, I. I just it's I, I laugh at people who just can't understand why a guy a team like St. Peter's can beat Kentucky. Tell us why. I think I know, but tell us why. Well, it's the same reason why we have upsets in college basketball. Yeah. Because they're not really that big upsets. Okay. That's the kind of dirty little secret. Everybody thinks, oh my God, Kentucky, oh my God, St. Peter's. And true, probably if they played ten times, St. Peter's would probably win one, two, yeah. three of them. And Kentucky wins seven. But the truth of the matter is, there's not a huge difference between one, two, and three seeds and 14 and 15 seeds. Yeah. Not as big a difference as anybody thinks because, because of a couple of reasons. Number one, the players that are on these 
these 14 and 15 and 11 and 12 seeds, yeah. they're they're not guys that are coming there and leaving after one year to go to the NBA. Right. They're they're four-year players in certain cases with the pandemic. They're five-year players. Yeah. You know, it's they're facing off against these teams like Kentucky and Duke and what have you that have players coming in and they're one and done. And so, yes, the players that are one and done are going to make $100 million playing basketball in the NBA. They're going to be lottery picks. They're going to be great. But is there that big of a difference in talent level yeah. between an 18-year-old freshman who's going to be great and make $100 million in the in the NBA and a 21-year-old really good college basketball player who's been there for four years? What's the true difference? Maybe that guy's never going to play in the NBA, right. but after four years and maturity and working on weights and system, maybe being in the NCAA tournament, being around the block, is there that big a difference? The guy who's the freshman at, at Kentucky who's going to the NBA, he hasn't even scratched the surface right. of what he's going to be. The guy at St. Peter's who's the sharpshooter with the mustache – Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. The yeah. porn star guy. Yes. He's Peters. he's he's probably playing the best basketball that he'll ever play yeah. right now. That's right. So there's not that big I'm just telling you, there's not that big a difference. How many and then on top of it, you got the transfer portal. Yeah. Where guys go to big schools and then after one year of being the seventh man, they go, Forget I don't it. need that. Yeah. I'll get in the transfer portal because I don't have to sit out a year anymore, the transfer rule. So I'll just go somewhere else and play right away and be the So between the transfer portal and the fact that these schools have veteran players and the Kentuckys and Dukes, they don't have veteran players because they never get to be veteran players. They leave. Right. That's the great equalizer. And I, I mean, think. I think that the, it's very thin, the margin between someone who goes to St. Peter's and someone who goes to Kentucky anyway, even as freshmen, right? I mean, look, <sighs> how many new players does Kentucky get every year? Three or four? I mean, there's only 12 on a team, right? It's not like in college football where Alabama can just hoard them all. You know, there's a lot of basketball teams out there and they get spread pretty thin. But not St. Peter's. Maybe not St. Peter's, but like, I don't know, St. Mary's or something. You know, it's it's a pretty thin line between the best player on St. Mary's and the best player on, say, Kansas. Wouldn't you say? I mean, no, you don't. I, you don't think it's a thin line. I think it's a thin line if there's a different in age. Okay. The, You're still factoring talking, the age thing I, in. Okay. I think there's a big I think it's a thin line if it's if there's an age difference. But if you told me, OK, we're going to play all the freshmen that go to Kentucky. Yeah. And play them against all the freshmen that go to St. Peter's. No, no fifth year seniors on St. Peter's. Yeah. They got to play their freshmen against Kentucky's freshmen. They'd lose by a thousand. OK. OK. And they'd lose every single game. I think where the big disparity is, is what I just said. Yeah. You've got guys on these teams that have been there for years. They're stronger. They're more mature. Yeah. They played against really, really young, young guys that haven't even begun to Scratch the surface yet. Might not get rattled quite as easy because no, they're mean, a little older just, and more mature. It, yeah. Yeah. And that's why you get a six versus an 11. I mean, that was a 15 versus a two. Yeah. But you get a six versus 11. Toss of a coin, man. Right. I mean, wasn't Michigan an 11 this year? I mean, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're, in, the, they're yeah. in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, it's a yeah, Big Ten school. I mean, I mean, you sit down with these brackets and you go, before the tournament starts, oh, I better not pick an 11 over a 6 or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you watch the game and you're going, I'm so the 11 stupid. is better than the 6. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, I mean, in ha half these cases, you watch the 11 beat the 6 and you say to yourself at the end of the game, they would win more than 5 out of 10. Yeah. That this is not like a 1 out of 10 thing. Maybe the 15 over the 2 That's is, a like a, story, is yeah. a little different. But come on, an 11 and a 6, a 10 and a 7. Right. Right. There's no difference. Yeah.
No difference. Yeah. The only difference is that one's had a little bit of a better year, maybe won some games early, and the other team struggled a little bit. Of course, the, but at this time of year, one game, yeah. come on, come on. That's why we love it. That's why we love I it. I think that's why we love it. A, right. a pair of Indiana University cheerleaders sprang into action to save yeah. the day. Yeah, Portland. When a basketball got stuck between the backboard and the shot clock in the team's <laughs> game against St. Mary's, a video tweeted by the official NCAA March Madness account showed how players and referees attempted to unsuccessfully to reach the ball with a pole. One referee attempted standing on a folding chair. That could have ended horribly. <laughs> Still came away unsuccessful. Indiana cheerleaders Nathan Paris and Cassidy Cerny sprang into action with yep. Cerny standing atop Paris's hands to reach the ball. Yep. And if that doesn't make one shining moment, I don't know what the hell should, <laughs> right? I mean, come on. How great is that? The cheerleading came to save the day. Sure did. It's amazing. Sure did. And I wonder if it will be in one shiny moment. It better be. I mean, how, how much would you have to pay me to stand on somebody's hands? First of all, who could lift me? But how much? <laughs> I mean, that's so scary what those cheerleaders do. Just push up with your hands. Some guys holding Those you. guys are strong underneath. Heck yeah, they are. I watch cheer on Netflix. I know. Those guys are strong. <laughs> you did? <laughs> you did your research? Both seasons. Yes, it's awesome. Julio Rodriguez. Know who he is? I do. Yes. The kid, the new kid for the Mariners. But then I saw people were like not wondering if he's going to make the team. Like, is it? Well, a, is he's it, like, tw he's about to be 21 or just turned 21. Right. No 21 year olds. He hasn't, he hasn't had many at bats in triple A, if any at bats in triple A. Okay. And, uh, but Oof. he is a, he is a phenomenal looking prospect and he's gregarious and mm. funny cool. and well-spoken and smiles a lot. I mean, he's got all the attributes mm. And he's a wonderful player. And in the first spring training game, the very first one after we waited through the labor problems and everything, yeah. he just rockets one. Did you see the highlight? Are you referring to the three curveballs in a row? How about the sound of the ball hitting oh. the bat? Did you play with the volume up? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you have not seen Julio Rodriguez's home run awesome. in the first spring training game, there's highlights all over, all over. Just go on Twitter or something. You'll see it. The sound, play the sound up. I mean, I need to put that as my new ringtone. I know, right? <laughs> you, you just the, oh yeah. my God, he just killed that ball. Awesome. He's going to be great. I hope he makes it. I'm rooting for him. Well, yeah, I guess I am too. I mean, be, I mean, come on. Let's just give it a try. What do you got to lose? Let's do it. The guy's confident. Yeah, that, that, besides <laughs> that. <laughs> and then the other Mariners note is not good. Okay. They've got a relief pitcher named Casey Sadler, who in 42 appearances Hotshots got last year. Yes. 40 innings. Tell me if this is any good. 19 hits allowed in 40 innings. Three earned runs allowed in 40 innings. A 0 0.67 earned run average out of the Mariners' bullpen. Out for the season yeah. with a shoulder injury. Ugh. That's not good. I don't want to do that thing that Mariner fans do. Classic Mariners. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go into this season with a good attitude. But that hurts. That one really hurts. Yeah, it really hurts. That really hurts. Yeah. yeah. So, there I'm, you go. I'm doing the math on it. I'll tell you if it's good a little bit later on the show, okay? I'm still doing the math. Hold on. You like a nice Molly Ringwald? Well, I have a Molly Ringwald personal encounter story if you want one. I got two, actually. Do you really? Yeah. Well, are you familiar with 16 Candles? I'm very familiar with 16 Candles. Well, she revealed on social media that much like her character Sam in the 1984 movie, her mom actually forgot her birthday this year. The actress shared on Instagram a screenshot of a text exchange with her mother, captioning it, actual conversation with my mom today. And the conversation which happened, 
She asked her mom, that's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? Just like their character says in 16 Candles. Her mom wrote back, oh, crap, I didn't realize it was your 18th birthday. You know, trying to like, it's your 57th or whatever. You know? oh, <laughs> but I just we're like, all getting old. Yeah, right. So I just, I love the way that her mom actually forgot her birthday like the character Sam in 16 Candles. So what are your stories? Well, one, the audience knows all about. Anybody who remembers the morning show. Producer or board op involved? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I think I know that one, yeah. It's classic. We used to have these these. <laughs> What's his name? Schmitty. Yeah. God. I used to assign Schmitty. We had the Schmitty interview series. He was kind of this kind of Chris Farley like character. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, and he we'd have him interview different people that came through town, and she came into town with one of her shows. So she came into the studio, and rather than me do this interview, we had Schmitty do the interview. Oh. And I, I'm not even going to try to describe. It's one of the <laughs> creepiest, funniest interviews. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so creepy. So he had a thing for her too? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> it's the maybe the funniest thing we've ever aired on our morning show. Wow. Ever. Okay. And then part two to that story is our producer at the time, Matt Gashka. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Remember Matt Gashka? Sure. I think it was Matt Gashka who happened to walk into the studio, oh. the recording studio where he did the interview with right after she had left. First of all, she was totally freaked out. She couldn't get out of this. Out of the, she was like, who is this guy? Get me out of the station. Really? Oh, yeah. She she couldn't. Oh. And I guess Matt Gask then walked into the studio where, where Schmitty was still in the studio and she was out. And he and he walked in and Schmitty was smelling her at the oh. seat of her chair. <laughs> Come on. Is there any chance that Matt made that up? Not Matt Gask. Really? Not his style? Do of, you know Matt? I remember I him. I don't think he's capable. God love him. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Did Schmitty cop to it? I think he, no, I don't. I, I think he said there was this piece of paper <laughs> right, down there that's or right. something. Sure oh there was, God. yeah. Yeah, he was smelling the seat of Good his hair. God. I can't believe why he gave and up the a interview, creepy vibe. And the interview was so creepy. It was so funny. So, so creepy. When you're having him do these interviews, is, yeah. he, is he in on it? I mean, because you don't want him playing it up. Play, you know what no, I mean? No, I or, just said, no, he yeah, it was totally. You didn't know you guys were like no, laughing no, your asses off? Of course off? he did. Okay. But, I, I, but we would challenge him to do a very good interview. Okay, all right. All right. And, and the, part of the rule was he had to ask, I had to give him one question. He had to ask one question <laughs> that I gave him to each interview. Like a, like a really bizarre, weird one? Or? No, no. I would give him a question that I wanted him to ask. Okay. That was it. He loved doing the interviews, but the, the, there was one condition, is, and he had to ask the one question that I wanted to ask. Okay. And for her, I knew, I was setting him up, yeah. I knew that she had done a nude scene yeah. that she regretted oh. after she after all of her success, when okay. she became a young adult. She was getting back in the mood. She had done a nude scene, and she had, she regret. and I said, you have to ask her about the nude scene. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, Walt, first of all, he's he's Schmitty and he's not real smooth. Right. But as he's asking, she's oh. giving him the cut side. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, no. no, 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 no she's giving him the, the cut side. Like, oh, God. No. She knew exactly what he's about to ask. And he's like, so, and you could hear him stuttering in the, like, like not knowing what to do. Because, oh, uh, oh no wonder we never got her on a cube. You killed it for everybody. Jesus. <laughs> no, my other, my other uh, brush with, with uh, Molly Ringwald was when I was a kid and she was about, I don't know, how old was she in 16 Candles? I think she was 18 in 16 <laughs> Candles, but I'm going to look it up right now. When she was a huge star, whenever that was, yeah, yeah. I ran into her in the, or I didn't run into her. She was in the baggage claim area at LAX when my family and I were in the same baggage area. And I look across the baggage and there she is, Molly wow. Ringwald. And I was about, I, we're probably exactly the same She's age. She's 54. We're exactly the same age. February 18th, 1968. 
68? Yeah. I'm one year older. Okay. So, um, yeah, she was across the way in the baggage claim at LAX. Okay. And my dad had one of those big camcorders in the oh, day. yeah. You know, the big ones? Yeah. And uh, we were out in LA as a family and he had that camcorder. I was like, there's Molly Ringwald. So I I, I started taking video of her across the way and she saw. Oh, and, no. and, and in the video, she's like, like trying to escape me. It's <laughs> like so she goes behind a pillar and like a pole. Like she's like, she sees. You're like paparazzi to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> please 19. tell me. I'm 19. She's 20. I'm 19. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 20. She's 19 or something. And I've got this big camera, Canon camcorder, this big sucker across the way, like shooting. She's like, you can wow. see her in the video, like trying to get away. Please tell me that exists somewhere. Your somewhere mom's it house. does. It does. It's yeah. like a VHS tape. Yeah, yes. Oh, I would do anything <laughs> to see that. That would go viral. I mean, that would be awesome. Awesome if you could get that digitally out. So she was born in, so that came out in 84. So she yeah. was, I think she's probably 14 or 15 when she filmed yeah. that, actually. Yeah. I thought she was older for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, Molly Ringwald. There you go. Okay. Mom forgot her birthday. Am I up or are you up? Uh, no, that was me, Molly Ringwald. Gerald Everett, the tight end. How was the Gerald Everett era in Seattle? Oh, Did you like his one year? He's gone. Wow. Chargers. I liked him. I wanted him back. Well, you knew he wasn't going to come back when Noah Fant... Yeah. Was part of the trade for Russell Wilson. And didn't they pay someone someone else a Disley? Yeah, Will Disley, they gave a, a pretty big contract to. We so like that? It was over. Okay. It was yeah. over. So Gerald Everett, he had that. I think he was better last year than everybody else. Everybody else kind of rags on him. He you kind of like, remember the bonehead things. Well, the th yeah, the three, there's three of them in one game. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That San Francisco game where he fumbled and he yeah. dropped passes and it was just an awful game. I kind of liked Gerald Everett. I liked him too, yeah. No one else seemed to like him. Yeah. Um, can we do uh, just a request on the NCAA tournament stuff? Is it time to do away with the technical foul for hanging on the rim on a dunk? What was that? Was it the Illinois game? It was the Illinois game. Breakaway. They get him. He goes up for a dunk. He's going really fast. Yeah. He holds. It was probably a little excessive. He was trying to keep himself from going into the third row. But they immediately, in an NCAA tournament game, right. in a big moment, you're really going to, he wasn't sh he wasn't showboating or like. Yeah, hanging by one hand and pointing at the guy. Yeah, or no, something. he I wasn't mean, doing any of that. Come on. Can we it's, Can we do away? I mean, come on. It doesn't feel like the refs call that very much. So I think they do a good job of letting the guy swing back. Well, and, why now? I know. Yeah, by the of way. all the times to call that now? Yeah, it's silly. Does it feel like the refereeing's been bad? Have you know? Or is it just yeah, me? Yeah, a little bit. It's been kind of bad. Like, yeah. they've missed some stuff. Yeah. They go to, they look at it and they get it right. But it just like, just like they just keep missing things. I just hate the, the, the block, the block charge call. What do you, what you hate the actual I hate play? the fact, I just hate the fact that the officials love to call the charge. Oh, I see. Yeah. They love calling charges. They do, don't they? It's fun to call a charge. Right, right. They like want to reward the guy for getting Even smashed. when it's not a charge, they yeah. love to call a charge. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to take a charge. You got to be like still. Yes. It's and tough. And yes. Yeah. Way too many charge calls, I yeah. think. Yeah. Anyway. Didn't they do like a little circle underneath or you yeah, can't take a charge? Yeah, that's the halo, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, that, did that help? I mean, are they <laughs> still doing bit. it? Or? You just can't know. be under the basket now or too close to the basket and set up for a charge. Yeah, let's right. make it a little bigger. Let's extend that circle a little bit. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, two medical students from India <laughs> recently. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> two medical students from India recently got busted for trying to cheat in the entrance exam at their at their college. Supervisors uh -oh. discovered tiny Bluetooth speakers surgically implanted in their ear canal. What? They were taking the general medicine exam with 13 others when a university squad came in and just to have a look to make sure everything's cool. And they found one student with a mobile phone and another with some Bluetooth device implanted in his ears. Now, one of the students 
this was his last try. He had been trying to get into medical school for 11 years, and this was his last <laughs> shot. So he had a Bluetooth speaker implanted in his ear so he could pass. Matter. And I was thinking, even if it worked, what was going to happen if he passed and actually became a doctor? At some point, you got to do the work. Like, is that something you want to cheat on or no? Anyway, it's a lot of work to become a doctor. If you're a fan of second chances, there's the Sean Miller story. Sean Miller, the former Arizona. Yeah. Former head okay. coach of Arizona, had a lot of success with Arizona, taking yeah, him sure. into the tournament, deep into the tournament. He also was a great player at Pittsburgh back in the day of Jerome Lane. He was a very good head coach at Xavier before he jumped into the Arizona scene. But he was he was in the middle of a, a shitload of NCAA violations yeah. at Arizona and ended up losing his job. I think one of his assistants went to went to jail over some mm. of the bribery charges and so forth. So a lot of a lot of dark clouds hanging over him. He's been out of basketball since he was fired at Arizona. Of course, the, the Gonzaga assistant, Mark Few's assistant, is now the head coach of Arizona, right. and they're thought of as, a, as a, a team that could go a long way in the tournament. Well, Sean Miller's getting a second chance. Okay. You can go home again. You can. He's going back to Xavier, where he took them to four NCAA tournaments, three conferences. Going back. I think he was there for 10 or so years. He is the new head coach of Xavier. So he's going to work his way up again. So we can Another put, chance. put him on the list of people where we allow a certain amount Absolute, of time to absolute. go by. Well, it's only a year for him. Only a year. Okay. Only a year. That's good to know if you get only in trouble. Yeah. You just can't go to a, like a, a major, you know, conference. Xavier, I think, is in the Big East. It's still pretty good though, right? I guess, yeah. 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 Well, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And right. then the other thing I'll mention is Carlos Correa is no longer going to be killing the Mariners as the shortstop of the Houston Astros. Instead, he'll be Oof. killing the Mariners as the shortstop of the Minnesota Twins <laughs> because that's who they open up with. Oh, God. <laughs> Three years, $106 million, which makes him the answer to the trivia question. Oh, boy. Stump the band. What infielder got the biggest guaranteed contract in the history of Major League Baseball? It is Carlos Correa wow. as a result of this new contract in Minnesota. Well, they won't see him as much, at least, right? Not as much. Not as much. Yeah. Not in the same division. Good riddance. You go. <laughs> I have right. one last story before you final. All right. Before your final. I know you've been on the edge of your seat wondering what happened to that Marvel Comics number one that was up sure for I auction. Have. First released in sleep. 1939, this comic book. Well, it sold for auction. $2.4 million for a 1939 comic book. It had Ooh. characters like the Human Torch and the Master Raider. <laughs> the opening bid was $1.00. Fast forward 33 bids later, the winning eye-popping bid was $2.47 million for a wow. freaking comic book. The most expensive version of number one ever sold. A comic book that could be sitting in someone's parents' basement if they look around, you know. If you said to me right now, <laughs> I know Mitch, no, you don't know have any okay, idea what right, I'm going to say. Right. Mitch, produce a comic book anywhere from this house that you're sitting in right now. Yeah. And you'll give me a million dollars. Right. Any comic book. We'd be out a million bucks. What about as a kid with There's you and your brother? There's literally not a comic book in this house. I don't think. You getting a call? I am getting a call, as a matter of fact. I don't think there's a comic book, at least a comic book as I know it. I don't think there's a comic book in this house. Yeah, I think they were bigger before, like, you know, TV, <laughs> you know, before that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, if people are into comic books. I was never into comic books. I, it didn't do much for me either. It was no. just all sports and yeah. pro wrestling. and I just, No comic books. Yeah, I wasn't into comic books. Archie, no comic books. But had you have been... You could have had a fortune sitting at your parents' house or something. It's incredible. Well, I had baseball cards for. that probably were worth a fortune, yeah. but we threw them all out. Yeah, my stupid uh, stepmom <laughs> threw away my Joe Montana rookie. <laughs> okay. Joe Montana rookie threw it away. Uh -huh. Thanks, lady. We probably had Hank Aaron rookies. We're a little older than you. God, crazy. Are your brothers into comic books oh, or no? no? No, they were into sports cards. They probably had unbelievable oh. sports cards. 1960s. 
God knows what she threw right. away. You, you don't want to know. That's it. I'm not talking to her anymore. <laughs> you just don't want to know. It could I'm be writing a her out. Fortune. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have one last one. It's a story that's never going away until we figure it out. Okay. And you don't want to talk about it. And I don't really want to talk about it. But somebody's got to talk about it. And we got to figure it out. The University of Pennsylvania transgender swimmer hoping is back in the news. Hoping you'd forget. Go on. She won the 500 freestyle, the NCAA championship. Big deal. Yeah. freestyle, transgender, very controversial. Should should she be allowed to compete in the women's events? Um, It's not going away. It's national news. It's on the, the network news. Well, as of the day that we're recording this, a letter was written by a Virginia Tech swimmer by the name of Rika Giorgi. She released a letter on social media that I'd be happy to share with you. Okay. Okay. Would you like to hear it? Sure. She co- did I say she swims at Virginia Tech? Or did yes. I say that? Okay. Well, I have to tell you the first thing that she writes before the letter begins okay. is before you read any further, I'd like to ask that everyone who wants to disseminate my statement, I guess we're disseminating her statement, yeah. would agree to release my statement only in full. I do not want any partial releases of my statement and do not wish to make any further comments. Okay. She insists that if you're going to read her statement, that yeah. you read it in full. So it's 46 pages. So are you ready? Come on. <laughs> no, it's two. You know my ADHD. <laughs> Dear NCAA, and you can understand why she wants the full statement. Yes, of course. Yeah. Dear NCAA, I will, and I, I got to tell you who she is. She is a she's the Virginia Tech swimmer who I guess finished seventeenth in one of in the five hundred, okay. and the top sixteen get into the finals. So she was the one who was kind of first on the first eliminated. First eliminated. Gotcha. Yeah. I would like to address this past week's events and express my thoughts. She writes, "Dear NCAA," she sent this to the NCAA. First, I would like to remind everyone that I'm a human being, and that as a human, I experience feelings and emotions. My name is Rika Giorgi. I'm from Hungary. I'm a 2016 Rio Olympian. Mm. Represented Virginia Tech for the past five years. A two-time ACC champion, a two-time All-American, and a three-time honorable mention All-American. With all due respect, I would like to address something that is a problem in our sport right now and hurting athletes, especially female swimmers. Everyone has heard and known about the transgender Leah Thomas and her case, including all the issues and concerns that her situation brought to our sport. I'd like to point out that I respect and fully stand with Leah. I'm convinced that she is no different than me or any other D1 swimmer who has woken up at 5 a.m. her entire life for morning practice. She has sacrificed family vacations and holidays for a competition. She has pushed herself to the limit to be the best athlete she could be. She's doing what she is passionate about and deserves that right. On the other hand, I would like to critique the NCAA rules that allow her to compete against us who are biologically women. I'm writing this letter right now in hopes that the NCAA will open their eyes and change these rules in the future. It doesn't promote our sport in a good way. And I think it's disrespectful against the biologically women, female swimmers, who are competing in the NCAA. 
I swam the 500 free at the NCAAs on March 17th, 2022, where I got 17th, which means I didn't make it back to the finals and was the first alternate. I'm a fifth-year senior. I've been in the top 16 and top eight before, and I know how much of a privilege it is to make the finals at a meet this big. This is my last college meet ever, and I feel frustrated. It feels like that the final spot was taken away from me because of the NCAA's decision to let someone who's not a biological female compete. I know you could say I had the opportunity to swim faster and make the top 16, but this situation makes it a bit different, and I can't help be angry or sad. It hurts me, my team, and other women in the pool. One spot was taken away from the girl who got ninth in the 500 and didn't make it back to the A final, preventing her from being an All-American. Every event that transgender athletes competed in was one spot taken away from biological females throughout the meet. The NCAA knew what was coming this past week. They knew opinions and minds will be divided and chose to do nothing. This week has been more about reporters, media, and division in our sport than things like two women going under 21 seconds in the 50 freestyle, three women going under 50 seconds in the 100 butterfly, and the first woman in history to go under 48 seconds in the 100 backstroke. Thursday was not a specific athlete's fault. It is the result of the NCAA and their lack of interest in protecting their athletes. I ask that the NCAA takes time to think about all the other biological women in swimming. Try to think how they would feel if they were in our shoes. Make the right changes for our sport and for a better future in swimming. Thank you for reading. Rika Giorgi, Virginia Tech swimmer. I got some headlines here. Let's go with... uh... I mean, it's it's a controversial subject. Everyone's got opinions. I think about Charlie Martin, this this transgender woman who wants to be the first transgender woman to ever race in the 24 hours of Le Mans. She's this incredible good friend of mine, professional race car driver. And I mean, good friend. I mean, we were friendly. I hired her to do some Forza stuff and we've hung out a bunch. I couldn't love her anymore. And I just try to like think like through her eyes, what, what would she say to me or what? What would she say about all of this? And I, I want to be so respectful. Big difference between race car driver and swimmer, right? No, for sure. But I, Huge I still want to be race car driver and swimmer. Forget the sports. I just want to be respectful of, of somebody who feels a certain way and wants to live their life a certain way. And I get I get kind of nervous and upset when I see on Facebook people making fun of this swimmer. It feels discriminatory and it just it, it, it doesn't feel right to me. OK, but let's say to me, that's not the contract. Well, that is controversial, but. To me, that's not the issue. I understand that's the a, issue. A, yes, I understand what the issue is. But I, so I'm just saying, I, I it's I try to be sensitive to should this. Should transgender athletes, male to female transgender athletes, be able to compete against women in their sports? Really, that's the question. It's, and it's I don't know that I have the right answer. I mean, I, I don't I have, think anyone has the well, right answer, right? Well, I, I don't think there is a right answer. Yeah. I mean, it, no, it, every answer is going to offend somebody. That's right. But doesn't it feel a little more nuanced than just should they be able to compete? Yes or no? I mean, isn't there aren't there aren't there different 
stages. That's probably not the right word of, of people who are going through that transformation. I mean, Charlie, yes, did, she yes. did, she did hers all on YouTube. If you want to watch it, oh, right? I don't want to watch it from, from right at the beginning. And oh, I'm just saying like, she was very open about it. And yeah, yeah I think there's a difference from somebody who's yes. been doing I, I, it I for three speak, days. I can't speak medically to yeah, the exactly, issue, but you know what I'm saying? But I think that this swimmer from the university of Pennsylvania has gone through the entire process. I mean, I know there's hormone therapy that yeah. they go through. How long has that been going on? Maybe that's something that we could consider if you've decided, you know, that you want to. But ultimately, you think there is a time. And I agree. I kind of said off the cuff many, many months ago when this subject came up for the first time, I think we were talking about high school. Yeah, there was a high track, school track, high school track in yeah. Pennsylvania. Maybe, and I or? think I said to you and probably didn't consider it seriously enough. I just said to you, God, is it worth it? I mean. Let's let people embrace who they are and who they feel. And, and okay, so somebody gets left out of a. Right. Again, I wasn't speaking to that somebody. Now I'm reading a letter from that somebody who does get left out yeah. as a result. So maybe it, it paints the picture a little bit differently. Yeah. You know, but my first blush is, come on, it's not a big deal. Who cares who wins? That's right. Who cares who goes? Is it more important that the right person win an event or is it more important that people be able to live the life that they want to live and compete as to who they are? And this, as who they this are. letter and changes And of course, that's easy for me to say right. because I'm not competing. I'm not a woman competing. I mean, take a look at this woman from Virginia Tech, a five-year swimmer. She's getting up training every single day all of her life Olympic for this. Olympic athlete. And then she gets knocked out by yeah. something she thinks is extremely unfair by somebody who shouldn't be, she thinks shouldn't be complete, competing against her. Yeah. So, you know, until you have that person in front of you, it's easy to say what I said many months ago, right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's hard for any of us to speak to that because we've never been in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I, I think I think that there, I think we could come up with an answer, maybe some sort of timeline for how long this has been going on because- I mean, you know, if, if you, like I say, you took someone who's decided they want to become a woman in, on their third day or their third year, they're, yeah. they're going through the process. Well, I they're, think they're, yeah. they're probably going to look differently. I think that's been addressed, though. It has. I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's been addressed. I think any, any, um, any jurisdiction over sports, yeah. whether it be high school or college, I believe is only allowing transgender athletes to compete against females if they are at a certain point okay. in that progression. Okay. Well, I believe, I believe, I, I, I and sure. we don't know if this I, swimmer... I don't I don't think that if I decided I wanted to be a woman and and it was my I decided yesterday. Right. That's right. That I can just go out and be be a woman, a female athlete. I think I have to have gone through a certain amount of hormonal change to be able to, to do that. I just I hate that thing when I go on Facebook and I see a picture of this swimmer and then somebody writes, yeah, that's what a female looks like. All right. You know, that that just kind of bothers me and it just feels it just feels discriminatory and it just feels hurtful and, and kind of, I don't know, short-sighted. And I, I don't know. I, so I, I really want to try to stay away from that side of it. Yeah. But then again, I, when you read this letter, you, you feel for, I don't know what the answer is. There's got to be some kind of ground well, in the middle. Well, certainly somebody out there is saying, come on, Rika, you finished 17th. Yeah. The one who won it was a transgender female. And the other 15 that finished ahead of you were biological females just like you. Come on, beat one of those other 15. There's always going to be. And then you're in. And then you're in. Yeah, but there's always going to be a 17. It's always going to be a 17. Right. So, I mean, if it's not her, maybe this whoever finished 17th would write the letter. There's headlines. There's going to be someone. Headlines for you. Go ahead. Now we got to joke around and try to be funny here. Good <laughs> Lord. 
All right, uh, Sarah. Casey Kasem. Sarah, <laughs> exactly. Don on the phone. <clears throat> now I got to talk about a dog dying. <laughs> Sarah's therapy. Thera can't even talk. She's going to go home. Therapeutics, a biotech company, has opened a donor collection facility to, <laughs> to collect poop for cash in Arizona, where donors can earn between $25 and $75 per poop sample. Oh, my God. Say, uh, Misty. Getting cash for producing could help. Getting cash for producing shit ain't new. The Kardashians had a show for twenty years. A twelve-year-old boy took a long time to get there. A twelve-year-old boy broke a Guinness World Record by solving a Rubik's cube in fourteen point three two seconds while riding his bicycle. As impressive as that is, you may want to play that one close to the vest in high school. For unknown reasons, Kenneth Clark Carlisle, 64 years old, walked fully naked up to the driveway of his next door neighbor he did. and proceeded to defecate atop a glass table on the victim's porch, according oh, to police. I mean, how stupid is this guy? Everyone knows you got to wait till someone's under the table. Duh. A thief who broke into a freight truck in Denver, Colorado this week made out with some macabre cargo, a box of human heads. Holy hell, Seahawks fans really are pissed. In Denver, I don't know. All right, and finally, the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, has challenged Vladimir Putin to a fist fight oh, via Twitter. Jesus. With the stakes being the country of Ukraine. This is actually kind of intriguing because the winner will not only gain control of a country, but will also fight Logan Paul. <laughs> I, hesi it. I hesitate on the bell. Elon Musk versus Vladimir Putin in a fist fight or a boxing match. How awesome would that be? It would be great. Until you mention Logan Paul. <laughs> I want I want Brigitte Nielsen in the corner of Vladimir Putin. And you ask the question, what's really the difference between a two seed and a ten seed? Yeah. Well, considering that Auburn was a two seed and Miami was a ten seed. Yep. And Miami just beat Auburn by twenty. It's over? By twenty. Oh. Blowout city. Bruce Pearl. Annoying. Annoying Bruce Pearl is out of the NCAA tournament. Does, Auburn is done. Does he look like he has really bad breath? <laughs> I've always thought that about him. I don't know why. Oh, he looks like he has terrible breath, Bruce Pearl. I don't know why. Ugh. What a weird state. Yeah, there you go. All right. Can I go so I can finish the Purdue game? <laughs> Episode 183 is in the books.